iHeartRadio.com. Tuesday, the 12th of September, the Feast of the Most Holy Name of Mary. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we praise you for having chosen Mary to be preserved from all sin from the moment of her immaculate conception. We praise you for having inspired Mary to consecrate herself as your exclusive sanctuary through perpetual virginity. We praise you for having bestowed upon Mary the honor of being the mother of God for our redemption. We praise you for having taken up Mary, body and soul, into heaven, where, the, where she reigns now with you as queen of heaven and earth. O Lord, we praise you for choosing Mary to be the mother of your son and our mother. May we who call upon her name always find protection from sin and evil. May her intercession lead us closer to you, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. It is a better way to start a Tuesday, the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls, although he tells me he got hit in the face with the softball last night. So hopefully uh, he pushes the right buttons. We'll see. We'll see. He doesn't know how to duck, at least. Up this hour, Father Tad Pekulczyk is going to talk about a new determination of brain death and what are the bioethics of that question. Of course, the National Catholic Bioethics Center is sorting through all kinds of situations, ethically complicated situations, and bringing a Catholic perspective to bear on them all. Marlon De La Torre will join us from knowingisdoing.org in the Diocese of Columbus. Rita Heikenfeld has uh, tips for putting your Bible garden to bed and preserving some of those herbs for the season. And then Holly Ordway has a brand new book on, uh, well, it's a spiritual biography of, of J.R.R. Tolkien, and uh, yeah, maybe you know your, you know, Lord of the Rings trivia, and maybe you even know that Tolkien was Catholic, but maybe you don't know his actual sort of spiritual journey. Well, we'll get into that with Holly. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Catholic Relief Services reports the enormity of loss and grief is widespread as people navigate the aftermath of the devastating earthquake in Morocco. Now, more than 2,800 people have been killed, and the death toll is still expected to rise. Thousands were injured as well as the quake was the strongest to hit the nation in more than a century. Offers of assistance have been pouring in from around the world, including the U.S. CRS says they are supporting Caritas Rabat, whose teams mobilized a response within 24 hours to the hardest-to-reach areas. The Holy See's delegation to the United Nations and other international organizations has appealed to the international community to adhere to the Convention on Cluster Munitions. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. The Convention on Cluster Munitions is an international treaty of more than 100 nations that prohibits all use production, transfer, and stockpiling of cluster munitions. The treaty came into force on August 1st in 2010. The Holy See Statement first notes appreciation for Iraq's commitment to the convention and the preparations it made for the Geneva meeting, while also congratulating Nigeria and South Sudan for acceding to it. 
statement notes that any additional state party to the convention represents a renewed impulse to achieve universality, further ensuring that there will be fewer victims in the future and that those who are already tragically affected can be properly assisted. The Holy See representative then made an appeal for all states that are not yet party to the convention to join other nations who've signed it and are fully adhering to it for the benefit of all. The Holy See then recalled the convention's fundamental principles, especially the unequivocal reaffirmation of the preeminent and inherent value of human dignity and the centrality of the human person. The Holy See then appealed to all parties to the conflict in Ukraine to put an immediate end to the use of cluster munitions and echoed Pope Francis' continuing appeals to mobilize for peace in the war-torn Ukraine. In conclusion, the delegation noted Pope Francis' closeness to the victims of the many wars in our world while expressing gratitude for states' parties to the convention for their commitment and generosity in assisting the victims of cluster munitions with the sincere hope that we may continue with even greater vigor on this noble path in the defense of human dignity and life as well as the realization of the common good of all people. I'm Thaddeus Jones. The Biden administration is clearing the way for a prisoner exchange with Iran to free five Americans being held there. It has issued a waiver for foreign banks to transfer $6 billion in Iranian oil funds that have been held up by U.S. sanctions. All five Americans were transferred from prison to house arrest in Tehran while the agreement between the U.S. and Iran was finalized. They've all been deemed wrongfully detained by the State Department. In exchange, the administration will release five Iranian citizens detained in the United States. Time is running out to avoid a strike against America's top automakers. The United Auto Workers Union is readying to go on strike Friday if GM, Ford and Stellantis don't meet demands on pay raises, pensions and job protections. Up to 146,000 workers are set to walk off the job if they can't come to a new agreement, which would impact production and increasing prices. One estimate says a strike lasting just 10 days could result in a total loss of more than $5 billion. Tech industry leaders will be on Capitol Hill this week to discuss artificial intelligence. More from Mark Mayfield. Senators will hear from Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, and others during a closed-door meeting Wednesday. This comes as Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has prioritized bringing lawmakers up to speed on the rapidly advancing AI technology. I'm Mark Mayfield. American scientist Mark Dickey is safe after being rescued out of a cave in southern Turkey. He had been trapped in the cave for several days and was more than 3,000 feet underground when he experienced life-threatening stomach bleeding. Officials had called the operation one of the largest cave rescues in the world. As it began, Dickey was said to be medically stable. The scientist had been helping to lead an international expedition in the cave. Video showed him lying on a stretcher as he was lifted out. And undrafted rookie Xavier Gibson returned an overtime punt for the game-winning touchdown to lift the New York Jets over the Buffalo Bills 22 to 16 on Monday Night Football. Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers, that still sounds weird, went down with an injury on the first offensive drive of the game. The 39-year-old QB is set to undergo an MRI later today amid fears that it is an Achilles injury. Well, that'd be a bummer. Yeah, I know, right?
Yeah, it was. Uh, I didn't watch much. You know, as you know, Anna Mitchell, there is another major matchup that happens on Monday nights on EWTN. Yeah, between John it Mark Rodai uh, and I mean, you talk some about a drama convert. unfolding. <laughs> drama unfolding Monday nights on EWTN when the journey home is on. <laughs> I never so, really thought about how you were com- you were competing with Monday Night Football. That's well, we're really... not competing because here's the thing, Anna Mitchell. You just reported on the Monday Night Football game, and so people are like, ah, glad I didn't watch that. I know, right? Every morning after the journey home, I can be like, and the person actually came into the church. People are like, ah, I should watch that. I know, right? Last night, we you know who we had on last night? Who would you have on last night? Andrea Garrett, who for many years... Uh, was a producer at CBN, who is uh, just uh, just up the TV guide a few the channels Christian from us on EWTN. Network? Is that what that is? So, yeah, she worked in uh, evangelical wow. television, television for a number of years. So I bet she was good on EWTN She's TV. great. Did anybody recruit her? What is she doing these days? Actually, i got to be careful. EWTN people might be listening and be like, wait, we... Who? Who? Maybe she wants know. a new job. You never know. Like, I don't know. No. Maybe she wants a volunteer around here. <laughs> I don't know. No, Andrea is awesome. You should check it out. EWTN.com has got her uh, Journey Home episode, and I'll be posting it on the Coming Home Network's website here in just a little bit. Nice. Well, today is Tuesday, September the 12th. It is the Feast of the Most Holy Name of Mary. Of course, we celebrated her birthday last week, so now we celebrate the powerful, the power of praying through her intercession our lady of sorrows whose feast we celebrate on friday pray for us it's nine past and father tad pikolchik joins us now on the sunrise morning show from the national catholic bioethics center father welcome back to the show Thank you, Annie. Good to be with you. It is good to have you. So the U.S. bishops have signed on to a statement from the National Catholic Bioethics Center to what's known as the Uniform Law Commission. There's a proposed revision to a law that would, am I right about this, essentially change the definition of death as it pertains to brain death? Yes. Uh, It's not actually a law, but it's a series of recommendations uh, that are made by the Uniform Law Commission. And then what happens is different states can modify their own laws about declaring people dead based on these recommendations from this special commission. So what happened was, like, 40 years ago, uh, there was a special presidential commission that sort of stepped into this area and started looking at what's required for a valid declaration of death. And they wrote up what's come to be known as the UDDA, or Uniform Determination of Death Act. And it was very clearly written back then. Uh, And it basically said you had to have irreversible cessation of all functions of the brain uh, in order to be declared brain dead. And so this was what they recommended 40 years ago. It, uh, that recommendation was taken, and all 50 states of the United States borrowed language from their recommendation. Uh, and it's been sort of part of the legal and medical landscape ever since. And now there is pressure afoot 
to kind of go back and change this definition uh, in such a way that it would, in effect, lower uh, the, the the requirements in order to be declared dead or deceased, uh, specifically in the realm of brain death declarations. So this is something that, you know, we've drafted this statement around to uh, say to the Uniform Law Commission that we're concerned about this proposed change and that it doesn't make sense to go in the direction they're suggesting what we instead should be doing is improving the kinds of tests Mm. that are done to patients to determine whether they have died or whether they're still alive. Well, tell me this, Father, why are they taking this under consideration at all at this point after you said 40 years? Yes, that's a, a kind of complicated question because I think a lot of people, their first instinct is to say, well, this is just about getting more organs for mm-hmm. organ donation. Um, and, you know, you hear that on the airwaves a bit, but I don't think that's quite, uh, quite the situation because this, the current set of tests that are being done to find out if somebody has died there's certain areas that have loopholes, if you will. Uh, there's a part of the brain that's kind of at the base of the brain called the hypothalamus, and there aren't any tests that are done to find out if that part of the brain is still working. And that's just how it is today. It's been sort of a, a loophole that nobody's really addressed. And mm-hmm. so what the Uniform Law Commission is doing is saying, well, let's just not worry too much about that, and let's just say if these other parts of the brain are are clearly not functioning, then we're good to go and we're going to call the person dead, allowing a kind of partial brain death uh, to definition to step in and take over. And that's clearly something that, you know, is not compatible with our understanding of what it means to be a human being and how we die. Uh, We need to have that irreversible loss of all functions of the brain, not just some or a few or here or there. Uh, so, you know, the answer to your question is is that this appears to be something that has uh, arisen out of clinical practice that's been going on, that's been a little bit loose, um, you know, or frayed around the edges, and we need to tighten up the clinical testing that's done and hold the same definition of brain death that we've always held. Uh, And that will assure then that when your medical team, you know, comes to the family and says, we're sorry to tell you that your loved one has died, you know, you'll be able to have reasonable certitude, reasonable moral assurance that what they're telling you is indeed accurate. And then there won't be any problem with you as a family signing the dotted line and saying, well, you know, we would like to donate uh, his organs or her organs in this uh, unfortunate situation. Well, Father, so, what would happen if the the commission goes with this proposal proposal as it stands that they, they do decide to adopt this language that would essentially make partial brain death um, okay for uh, declaring total brain death? Well, it means that you would have situations admittedly not very many or very common situations, but you would have some of them, a few of them, where 
you would have individuals who would still have some parts of the brain, especially that lower part that I mentioned, the hypothalamus, that would still be functioning, Mm. and yet they could be declared dead. So that's the problem here that, you know, we as the center are concerned about. And so you would basically have a living person, a person who's still alive, who still has a functioning part of the brain, who would be able to be declared dead and whose organs could be taken. So uh, we need to be sure that the legal definitions around death and declaring death make sense and are in accord with the medical and biological understandings of death. We don't want to be setting up some separate kind of category here, which becomes then a fiction about what it means to die. Father, do you happen to know when the commission is going to make a ruling, have they said? You know, the latest that I've heard is that thanks to statements like the one that we issued uh, and other pressure from other quarters that they appear to be Uh, delaying any decision on this uh, for the foreseeable future. Fantastic. Well, we will keep an eye on it. And uh, thank you so much, Father Tad Pekulczyk, for uh, unpacking this for us. If you'd like to read the full statement from the National Catholic Bioethics Center, you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father Tad, thank you. Thank you so much. Great to be with you. It was great to have you, Father. Thanks. All right, it's 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, lighthouse work, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Support is from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. I had to go through fear and thank God that I overcame the fear and I just left it up to God and now there's no more fear, there's just acceptance and I'm just learning to listen. If you want to be closer to God, you just need to keep following His rules and your application, your radio station has helped me to always be positive and continue to listen to the rules and obey. EWTN, live truth, live Catholic. 19 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. The Global Caritas Network is offering support to Caritas Rabat to help those devastated by the largest earthquake to hit Morocco in more than a century. 
Pope Francis yesterday welcomed the leader of the Malankara Orthodox Syrian Church and the Holy See's delegation to the United Nations is appealing for the international community to adhere to the convention on cluster munitions. News at the top, bottom of each hour, every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And Anna Mitchell, I know that when it comes to like internal church drama and movements of the hierarchy and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, we pay a, quite a bit of attention to the United States. But I would just encourage our listeners to pray for the church in India. Oh, there my is, gosh. Um, yeah, you think division in the church in the United States is a problem. You may not understand any of the terms of the, of the <laughs> conflict, but just pray for the church in India. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, well, I don't division. know how to describe it. Uh, division. division would be um, there's personality conflicts, there's hurt feelings, there's just very strong emotions. So our brothers and sisters in India, I'm sure, would appreciate you praying for prayers for peace and unity and mm-hmm. harmony and that they would all be one in heart and mind. Amen. Good prayer. Blessed Devashayam Pillai, pray for us. You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon, you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at sunrisemorningshow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. Hi, I'm Mara Kegney-Tipton with the Kegney Family and Cowell Banker Real Estate, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, brother, Patrick, and I are here to help your family find the perfect home. If you have any real estate questions, 513-720-1411. All are precious in God's sight, no matter our age, race, ability, or residence. Yet many lives are threatened, especially in the womb. Cincinnati Right to Life works to protect the good gift of life at every age and every stage. For more information, go to CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join others for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. Thanks for joining us on this Tuesday, the 12th of the month of September. We're joined now by Marlon De La Torre from the Diocese of Columbus, where he works in evangelization and discipleship and catechesis and faith formation. That's not what his actual business card says, but he does those things. Marlon, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Go Bucks. All right. Uh, you've been writing uh, a little bit about the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, give us the context of why you uh, started thinking about this uh, most famous teaching from Jesus. You know, it's um, th- there's a lot of variables in, in, 
in this proclamation from our Lord. I mean, not even after the witnessing of both Jew and Gentile of his baptism by St. John, and then really the, the, the initial thrust of his message, not necessarily of peace, but it, it came to really uh, awaken the minds and hearts of the people and proclaiming just the kingdom has come. And the, the whole Sermon on the Mount really is, is, is a message of proclamation of salvation, the salvation of all humanity. And it, it's important that we, we have this understanding of this language because this is the reality of why he came, is to resuscitate and rescue us in many ways from the, uh, the calamity that he saw that the people of God had got into. And this misunderstanding of, of the rule of faith, this misunderstanding of the law, uh, in some ways a puritanical way of, of how to live uh, a relationship with God. And so there's a lot of factors into why I would choose a Sermon on the Mount, because it really, it's meant to help the person understand the message of the Word of God and who He is through His Son, Jesus Christ, but also how are we to act this out? What are we supposed to do to, to live this? And so when, we, uh, when, when you hear the message of our Lord, He has something to say. He has something to say to us that's meant to penetrate our heart, excuse me. And then from there, how are we to live this out? This is the key for us as, as Christians. And if we follow this this beautiful rule of faith in, in the Sermon on the Mount, then we understand why God wants our salvation badly. And really, He earnestly desires for us to be with Him and to come home with Him. Well, we live in a very celebrity-driven world, Marlon, and we live in a situation where we're coming up on this time next year. It's going to be almost presidential election time. Mm-hmm. My, uh, it's my least favorite secular liturgical season. But mm-hmm. you know, in great. that, what's going to happen is in the political world, people are going to be hanging on every word that everyone says, and somebody's going to notice that this person's going to be a microphone, and the whole world is going to try and figure out how to dissect and understand it. Um, this happens all the time in celebrity culture, right? I'm amazed at how when I look at what's trending on Twitter, it's like something dumb from somebody I don't know but is apparently very famous. Right. And I'm like, ah, you know, this people are hanging on every word of this person says. And even actually within the church, we have, you know, sort of celebrity type figures who have uh, kind of gotten this sort of popular status to where everything they say is like super important to us. We already have these sort of things in our world where we latch on to people. And and if they're important to us, we're going to hang on their every word and we're going to wait uh, with bated breath for the next thing that comes out from them. If Christ is supposed to be more important, infinitely more important than all those realities put together, then we ought to care what he's saying in these places. Oh, I agree. I think that the notion that our Lord lays the foundation or, or the thought of here's the path scares us to death. We'd rather hear a message that is happy, that is good, that is nice, rather than one that, that requires us to change. And I think that that's part of the... Uh, of the novelty of, of people with a message or the celebrity status, whether within the church or outside, the message is what gets us to really forget about ourselves and our journey. But we listen to someone who's compelling, someone who, who has a nice message, someone who has a loving message per se, and doesn't necessarily require us to move or to engage. And I think that's a distinction with, with what our Lord does every single time, whether it's a Sermon on the Mount or the proclamation to Peter in Matthew 16 or the whole Good Shepherd discourse in John 10, whatever you can choose in Scripture, there's a change. There's a requirement. There, there's something that is aimed at helping us see the reality of who Christ is. Sometimes we don't want to see it. 
And the message or whoever's speaking at that particular point in time becomes more satisfying because it may not require us to do much other than to listen. And well, there's more than that. It's, it's, it's a progression. Um, and that's why I tried to instill in this particular article is the fact that, yes, you have something to say. Now, what are you going to do about it? How are we going to progress to really bear fruit to this message and for those especially around us? So um, I think that's, that's part of that drama that we walk into. Well, let's be honest. Sometimes we gravitate toward that message because it's something nice and unchallenging and makes us feel kind of like warm and gooey. Sometimes we gravitate that message because it's, you know, just really puts people we don't like in uh, uh-huh. their place. And we're like, what a challenging message, man. Bob needs to hear this. <laughs> right? Correct. Uh, Correct. And so sometimes uh, we we get really fired up and I'm like, ah, see, now this is the kind of stuff that the people I don't like really need to hear. And the fact is, is if you listen to Christ correctly, he's going to make everybody uncomfortable, everybody uncomfortable, but he's also going to bring everybody peace. I mean, that's kind of the weird thing about the truth is that it hurts, but it heals. And depending on where you are and what you're doing, the truth is going to have something to say to you. And it's going to have some kind of correction for you. It's like when GK Chesterton says that we don't really, at the end of the day, want a church that's right where we're right. We want a church that's right where we're wrong, right? Because we need help. We want to change, but we also don't want to change. <laughs> you know, and that's part of the challenge here. No, I couldn't agree with you more. The, that, that's the distinction there is the progression to change. And if we accomplish that through his grace, then by all means, uh, we'll be open to the message all the time. Well, the three most important words of that sentence, through his grace, right? You know, Absolutely. we're not out here just trying to muscle it through on our own steam so marlon de la Torre, we've got knowingisdoing.org linked at sunrisemorningshow.com thank you as always have a wonderful day appreciate it, Matt. you too go bucks all right and again marlon hales from the diocese of columbus many of you listening on saint gabriel radio this morning a good morning to you good morning across the ewtn affiliate family hope you've got a uh, good tuesday in the works Half past the hour, here's Anna with news. Good morning. The Global Caritas Network is offering support to Caritas Rabat to help those devastated by the largest earthquake to hit Morocco in more than a century. Catholic Relief Services reports the priorities are emergency shelter, food, clean water and hygiene supplies, blankets, kitchenwares, and support for medical assistance and counseling. Another priority is planning for long-term support. CRS reports more than 300,000 people are affected and at least 2,490 were killed. Access to remote areas with the worst destruction, especially in the mountain towns, remains difficult. But Caritas, which has a longstanding presence in Morocco, mobilized within 24 hours to reach those areas. Time is running out to avoid a strike against America's top automakers. Mark Mayfield has more. The United Auto Workers Union is readying to go on strike Friday if GM, Ford, and Stellantis don't meet demands on pay raises, pensions, and job protections. Up to 146,000 workers are set to walk off the job if they can't come to a new agreement impacting production and increasing prices. One estimate says a strike lasting just 10 days could result in a total loss of more than $5 billion for the U.S. economy. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Holy See's delegation to the United Nations and other international organizations has appealed to the international community to adhere to the Convention on Cluster Munitions. This coming in the wake of the U.S. sending cluster munitions to Ukraine to aid in their fight against Russia. The U.S., Russia, and Ukraine are among those 
who did not enter into the convention that vowed to not produce, stockpile, or use cluster bombs. The Holy See delegation asked all parties in the Ukrainian conflict to put an immediate end to the use of cluster munitions. The Biden administration is clearing the way for a prisoner exchange with Iran to free five Americans being held there. It has issued a waiver for foreign banks to transfer $6 billion in Iranian oil funds that have been held up by U.S. sanctions. All five Americans were transferred from prison to house arrest in Tehran while the agreement between the U.S. and Iran was finalized. They've all been deemed wrongfully detained by the State Department. In exchange, the administration will release five Iranian citizens detained in the United States. Pope Francis welcomed the leader of the Malankara Orthodox Syrian Church at the Vatican yesterday. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Pope Francis welcomed His Holiness Basilius Malthomus Matthews III, the Catholicos of the Eastern Malankara Metropolitan of the Malankara Orthodox Syrian Church during a visit to the Vatican. In his address, Pope Francis expressed gratitude for their growing bonds since the Second Vatican Council and highlighted the historical visits and meetings between their respective predecessors. May I say, Your Holiness, that here you are at home as a beloved and long-awaited brother, said Pope Francis. He acknowledged the ancient faith of the Malankara Orthodox Syrian Church, tracing its origins to the Apostle Thomas and emphasized the shared faith in Jesus as Lord and God, In this regard, the Holy Father noted that the faith of St. Thomas was inseparable from his experience of the wounds of the body of Christ. The divisions that have occurred throughout history between us Christians have been painful wounds inflicted on the body of Christ that is the Church. We ourselves continue to witness their effects. The Malankara Orthodox Syrian Church, also known as the Indian Orthodox Church, or simply as the Malankara Church, is an autocephalous oriental Orthodox Church. The Pope concluded by invoking St. Thomas the Apostle's intercession for unity and witness, connecting it to St. Thomas's transition from disbelief to belief upon seeing Jesus' wounds, saying, When the Lord showed his wounds, St. Thomas passed from disbelief to belief by what he saw. May our shared contemplation of the crucified and risen Lord lead to the complete healing of our past wounds so that before our eyes, transcending all distance and misunderstanding, he may appear. I'm Francesca Merlo. Authorities say escaped murderer Daniello Cavalcante could be in an area about 30 miles northwest of Philadelphia and they're telling residents to shelter in place. He's been on the run for nearly two weeks after escaping from prison in Chester County, where he was serving a life sentence. There's a $25,000 reward for any information that could lead to Cavalcante's capture. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio. It's 35 past the hour. Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible. So to give a gift of any amount, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. This is Chris Knockelman, owner of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Our family has been a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio for more than a decade, and we encourage other businesses to do the same. 
Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of the Most Holy Name of Mary, Tuesday, September the 12th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to need the umbrella today. Right now, temperatures in the lower 60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be scattered showers today and cooler with a high of 74 degrees. A few leftover showers tonight, otherwise mostly cloudy and an overnight low of 54. Partly cloudy tomorrow with a high of 74 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, mostly cloudy skies today with a few rain showers likely and a high of 74 degrees. Tonight, a leftover shower possible and then becoming partly cloudy with an overnight low of 53. Partly sunny with a slight chance of a shower north and a high of 70 tomorrow. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. It is time for Bible Foods with Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com. And uh, Bible Foods is all about looking at foods and recipes and all kinds of things that are mentioned in the Bible, some of the symbolism of them and how we use those things today. Rita, good morning. Well, good morning, Matt. And I again, thanks to Annie, this is going to be a very timely subject. Extremely timely because we're talking today about preserving some of the herbs from our Bible gardens. A lot of us mm-hmm. have uh, been taking notes on your segments and planted some of these things that show up in the Bible. And now we're getting to the cold months, so we're just not going to be able to have them uh, fresh. So let's talk about some ways to, to dry these. I mean, this is something that, I mean, there's a principle that, you know, is involved in this whole process of planting and watering and growing. Uh, you know, that that's a nice way to think about all this stuff, right? It is, and when you think of that, um, good point there, Matt. In Genesis, in chapter 1, I love this passage. Then God said, let the earth bring forth vegetation, every kind of plant that bears seed, including herbs, every kind of fruit tree on earth that bears fruit with its seed in it. And so it happened, the earth brought forth vegetation, every kind of plant that bears seed, and every kind of fruit tree that bears fruit with its seed in it. God saw that it was good. So today, as you said, a lot of us are planting herbs, um, some of which are mentioned in the Bible, but they've grown, and now, before that first frost hits, we've got to figure out how to preserve them. And um, one of the best ways, I think, um, and easy and low cost, is just to dry them the old-fashioned way. Um, It's an ancient method, as we both know. It goes back to Bible days, and I'm thinking even before Christ was born, and it's always reliable and safe. So drying herbs the old-fashioned way is a good way to do that. All right, so what are some tips for drying herbs? And, you know, this can vary from herb to herb a little bit, but mm-hmm. generally speaking, what are some good principles to apply? Well, just generally, you want to harvest um, your uh, 
herbs after the morning dews has dried from the leaves, but before the sun gets really hot, and that happens around here around noontime, Matt. And, in fact, if you walk by a lavender plant around noontime, you, you'll get to smell a lovely aroma. And what's happened is the sun drives the oils from the bottom up toward the stem and then out into the air. So right um, before noon is the best time because then all the herbs will still have all their, vol- their volatile oils intact. All right. So this is one where you get into a bit of a dilemma because you want clean herbs. But if you just waited for them to dry... And then you wash them off. Now they're wet again. So what, what, what is your recommendation in gar- regarding cleaning these herbs? Well, first of all, if I, I usually don't have to clean them. I don't think many people do um, unless they're real dusty. But if you want to do them while they're still on the plant, I usually um, give them a, a light sprinkling the day before, and that gives them plenty of time to dry um, because wet herbs will get mildew and mold as they dry. And if you happen to take them off the plant and they they still need a rinse, do it in the kitchen and lay them, um, you know, let them drain and dry very well uh, before you start to dry them. And, and by the way, you only want to cut healthy branches. If there's any yellow or spotted leaves, they're not going to have any flavor, so don't even bother with those. All right. You try and knock the bugs off? Aha. Uh-huh. let Now, this is where your kids come in if they're not squeeze, you know, squeezy about it. Um, you, I usually just shake them a bit. Um, I think there's usually some hitchhikers, although herbs are not uh, don't tend to attract bugs very much. And also, if you're going to rinse them, they're usually going to fall off. So um, not something to worry about, but maybe something to be to check on for sure. All right. So with some of these, uh, let's say I've got thyme or oregano. Actually, that's not a theoretical hypothetical. I have tons of time in oregano. Uh-huh. I know. I know uh, you do. Uh, so do I cut off the whole branch? How much do I cut off? Well, um, if you're going to dry them on the branch, um, what I'll do is I'll, I'll take them out of the garden and then remove about an inch or so, Matt, of the lower leaves. And what that does, it gives you um, something, to, you know, uh, a branch to tie together. And I'll tie several together just to make a bunch. But um, here's the deal. You don't want to tie too many because you want a good air circulation. So three or four or five. Um, and you can use rubber bands uh, to tie them and hang them upside down because nutrition and flavor starts in the root and then goes through the stem and the leaves. Um, but if you're going to use rubber bands or strings, sometimes you've got to redo them because they may slip out. Um, again, not too many branches together because air, good air circulation is crucial. All right, so where do you hang them? Do you hang them in your kitchen or your basement or garage? Where do you do that? I love to put them in my kitchen because they look nice, but, again, it, it sort of gets a little messy when they start to dry. Anywhere that's dry and basically warm with good, good um, air circulation, again. Um, some people like to use a paper bag, and you can just place bundles of herbs upside down in the bag and then sort of gather the bag at the top and then tie it closed. Um, some people punch a few holes in the if it's a bag for air circulation, I usually don't because if it's a paper bag, no need to. The big thing is don't um, dry herbs uh, near the sun, especially if they're exposed because that bleaches the color out. So any place that's basically warm and dry is good. All right, so let's say I've got dried oregano. How much would I use of that uh, compared to how much fresh oregano I would use normally in a recipe? Well, when you think of fresh herbs, they have moisture in them, so dried herbs don't. 
So uh, about one teaspoon of dried herbs to every tablespoon of fresh. To me, that's a good ratio. What do you think? That seems about right. But you know mm-hmm. me. I never measure anything. <laughs> Just dump it in until it tastes good. I know. You and my mom would have gotten along great. So, but, uh, and you know, we could maybe talk some other later time. I don't know if you've ever done where you freeze them in the ice cube trays, yeah. too. You know, this is a whole different kind of method and process. But this drying herbs thing, it's so cool. It smells good. You can even decorate the house, as you mentioned. I mean, ha- lavender hanging in your kitchen just looks cool. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, Rita Heikenfeld, we've got abouteating.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Head on over there and check out Rita's stuff. Have a great day. I will, and I'll talk to you next week, Matt. All right. Coming up next, we got headlines with Anna Mitchell. It is 16 minutes before the hour. It's not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marian Koharski, director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon, you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at sunrisemorningshow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. I used to wonder if God really cared, why it mattered what church I went to, or why I even bothered with faith at all. Then I started praying more often and going to church. What happened? My relationships got stronger, and I felt a peace that I never had before. I realized that God in my life was the difference between occasionally being happy and finding lasting joy. If you're looking for something more, check out catholicscomehome.com. spiritual, but do I have to be religious? Join me, Dr. David Andrews, as we answer your questions on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 14 till. Here's Anna with headlines. The Global Caritas Network is offering support to Caritas Rabat to help those devastated by the largest earthquake to hit Morocco in more than a century. The Holy See's delegation to the United Nations and other international organizations has appealed to the international community to adhere to the Convention on Cluster Munitions. And the Biden administration is clearing the way for a prisoner exchange with Iran to free five Americans being held there. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for joining us on this Tuesday, September the 12th. 
The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Holly Ordway. She's Cardinal Francis George Professor of Faith and Culture at the Word on Fire Institute and visiting professor of apologetics at Houston Christian University. I am so excited about this new book of hers, Tolkien's Faith, a Spiritual Biography. Holly, good morning. Good morning. All right, to set this up, I think a lot of people understand that Tolkien was a Christian. Um, several people know that he was even a Catholic. Uh, even a lot of atheists who read his work are aware of this fact. But I think there's this narrative out there that uh, a lot of Christians have, a lot of Catholics have, that you know we see Tolkien as this person who's trying to evangelize C.S. Lewis at Oxford. And so Tolkien sometimes appears in our minds as this sort of fully formed Catholic gentleman. <laughs> and uh, I don't think a lot of us know how he got that way. And I guess this is your task, right? It is absolutely what this book is about, because I discovered in the course of my research that his his faith was hard won. Um, it, it was very dynamic. Uh, it started out, for instance, I mean, he himself was a convert. That's little recognized, because his mother became a Catholic when he was eight years old, and that was old enough for him to very firmly remember what it was like to be in the Church of England. Um, very dramatic change for him in terms of worship, um, I mean, for one thing, from English to Latin. Boom, right there at that, at that time. And he had to embrace the faith like as an adult, because in the way that the Church handled um, incoming counsel at the time, he was considered to be above the age of reason, so he wasn't just received along with his mother. He was formally received in the Church when he made his First Holy Communion and Confirmation, when just before his 12th birthday. And he was in a context in which there was so much social disapproval of Catholicism and so much pressure for him to, you know, come back to the faith of his, of his extended family, who were all Protestants, that that initial step when he was, you know, 11, almost 12, was genuinely meaningful. He was affirming his faith in his own right, not just tagging along with his mom. And again, you know, he had, he had a bit of a slump when he was undergraduate. He admitted that he was slack in his faith, but then he stepped up to it um, and revitalized his faith, got through World War I, the Great War, traumatic experience, with his faith intact and strong. But then after that, he had a long stretch, you know, years, in which he said he almost ceased to practice his religion. And he comes out of that around the time that he starts he begins friends with C.S. Lewis, starts helping Lewis to become a Christian, grows stronger in his own faith, and then he matures and develops into you know this, this strong Catholic whom we know and we recognize. But I think it's so helpful just to realize that it was it was a bumpy road to get there. He had a lot of tests to his commitment and a lot of opportunities and pressures to just say, well, I'm going to bail out and become an Anglican, and he didn't. You know, I want to go back to his earlier years because, you know, over at the Coming Home Network, we work with a lot of people who bring in their families, and sometimes their kids are too young to know the difference, but sometimes their kids are definitely old enough <laughs> to know the difference. <laughs> and you could say, well, Tolkien was an 8-year-old, and then, you know, he has to make this profession of faith as a 12-year-old, but his mom very much must have had must have had great reasons for converting, so he could spend the next several decades just asking her about that reasoning and develop with that over time, except she died, right? I mean, he ends up kind of on his own in this question. Yeah. I mean, she dies one in his, in his 12th year. So he, he's, he's not even been um, a full member of the church very long. And she gives him and his brother into the care 
of their guardian, Father Francis Morgan, a priest of the Birmingham Oratory. And it's Father Francis who effectively becomes a second father to them and raises them in the context of the Birmingham Oratory. And this is, again, so pivotal because it's, we know the end of the story. We know that he you know, retains his faith despite struggles. He, he ends up a very strong Catholic. We tend to take it for granted that his faith remains strong in childhood, but his mother had died in poverty and sickness because she became a Catholic. <laughs> you know, she, in being a Catholic, her family cut her off, and that meant that they, they were poor, they, she was stressed. It undoubtedly accelerated the, you know, the, the progress of the diabetes that killed her. And that could very easily have led to resentment against his mother's faith. Why did you do this to us? Why couldn't we have stayed in the bosom of the family? You know, why, you know, this new faith has caused all of our problems. Psychologically, that could very easily have been the case. So I think we have a lot of really good pastoral care going on here with Father Francis, the other Birmingham Oratory Fathers, helping him work through the grief and of, of his, you know, with his mother's death and what that meant for his faith. He spoke later in life of how Father Francis taught him forgiveness, taught him charity and forgiveness. And I think that really points to helping him to forgive, you know, his extended family for their, you know, cutting off of his, his mother um, and the support that she could have received from them. And maybe even a certain amount of sort of forgiveness for, for himself. His children can get very tangled up, <laughs> you know, emotionally when, they're, when their parents die. So we have this really pivotal moment where he's learning to deal with these huge questions of, of grief, the problem of suffering, you know, as, as a boy. And he does learn them. He engages with them deeply. He faces them and comes through it. And I think that ends up being a hugely powerful element in his later work. You know, The Lord of the Rings has a lot of suffering in it. It doesn't just dodge it. It goes, it goes through it. It recognizes it. Well, you've helped me put together something that I've never put together before with uh, J.R.R. Tolkien through this caretaker, this mentor, uh, Father Francis Morgan, because if Father Francis Morgan is an oratory priest around the time that J.R.R. Tolkien is 12, does that mean that his mentor would have known John Henry Newman? Absolutely. In fact, Father Francis was new Newman personally. He served as his personal secretary for a while. Um, he had been Newman's student. So we have a, a very close connection. Um, Newman was personally known to many of the oratory fathers whom Tolkien knew well and, and you know, was raised up amongst. And indeed, yeah, his, his guardian, Father Francis, knew Newman very well, was his secretary, worked for him, was trusted by him. And so I, I like to think of it that, you know, if Newman is sort of the spiritual father of Father Francis uh, as, a, as the founder of the Birmingham Oratory, and, and Father Francis was a student and an oratorian priest, and Father Francis is whom Tolkien called his second father. So we have kind of a, a spiritual lineage here. Newman is kind of Tolkien's spiritual grandfather in a way. You just gave me chills, and that's just one of a, num a number of connections I know you make and a number of insights into... Uh, what made J.R.R. Tolkien the kind of person that he was, uh, and to write these things that resonate so deeply with so many of us. I, I know that our listeners are going to want to find out more about this book and where they can get it. Uh, if they want to find your book on Tolkien's spiritual journey, uh, Holly Ordway, how do they do so? Well, they can go to wardonfire.org slash Tolkien, um, where they'll get a direct 
you know, link to it from the publisher. Um, you can also find it on Amazon and, you know, wherever good books are sold, <laughs> you can find a copy. Again, the book is called Tolkien's Faith, A Spiritual Biography. Have a great day. We'll talk to you again soon. Excellent. Thank you. So you can find it wherever good books are sold. You could probably find it where some bad books are sold, too. I mean, I, this is going to be one that gets out there into the bookstores. It's a Word on Fire book. Uh, Anna Mitchell, had you ever heard that before, that the priest who was Tolkien's caregiver and mentor was himself mentored by John Henry Newman? Did no. you know that? No, that's crazy to think about. The <laughs> it's well, it's It just opens so up this cool. whole it, new uh, like, yeah, lens I mean, for thinking like, about Lord of the Rings. It's so mind-blowing to think about the influence that went into the Lord of the Rings like that, the formation that happened prior to that. You made a great point at the beginning of the conversation that you, you know... You just kind of think of Tolkien as this, you know, well-formed Catholic gentleman from the get-go. Just but shows no, up it's like smoking a pipe in a tweed jacket, knowing everything about Catholicism. I know exactly, and no, I mean there was a lot of formation in that, and how cool and how incredible to know that that formation began with John Henry Newman. Wow. Well, as you know, Anna Mitchell, over at the Coming Home Network, we're. Uh, we're pretty aware that everybody's on a journey. It's true. And if Tolkien's major work is about being Hobbits on a journey, going on journeys, mm-hmm. one might wonder if Tolkien himself was is writing on a from journey? his own experience of mm. having been on a journey, mm. being on one. Interesting. Another, yes. What a theory. Another full hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up after this. It's three till. Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith, when Margie Christie will share the latest news from Dayton Right to Life. Alan Migliorato will discuss the dealing with lyrics of some types of adolescent music. I'll talk Catholic about the meaning of spiritual and supernatural life, plus frequent traffic and weather. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. With 30 years of trusted, quality service and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MADE or at mollymade.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. Married couples, this fall we invite you to set aside time to grow in holiness. Join us for a weekend marriage retreat to pray, receive the sacraments, and grow in relationship with your spouse through intentional time spent together. 
Special guests Ryan and Mary Rose Verrett will guide you to more clearly see, embrace, and live out Christ's plan for your marriage. Held at Catholic Family Land near Steubenville, Ohio, October 20th through the 22nd. Register at afc.org. Hi, I'm Jim Akers, board member with the Cincinnati chapter of Legatus. Catholic business leaders and their spouses meeting the challenge of balancing faith, family, and business. We meet once a month for mass and dinner, along with a local or national speaker and a wonderful venue throughout the city. Many of our speakers you have heard right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Please think about joining our group of Catholic leaders and become an ambassador for Christ in your business or profession. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. I'm Deacon Bill Mullaney from Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at SacredHeartRadio.com. Tuesday, the 12th of September, the Feast of the Holy Name of Mary. Let's pray a prayer for uh, all who are suffering from any kind of acute or chronic illness, especially if it involves a lot of pain. A prayer prayer to Our Lady Health of the Sick. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our Lady Health of the Sick, I look to you for the comfort of a mother's love. I pray to you on behalf of those who are suffering and for my own healing needs. Mary, your love strengthens me and brings me peace. Our Lady, health of the sick, embrace all who are emotionally and physically ill, that they may return to good health under your tender care. And please intercede for my own special needs. Mary, your love strengthens me and brings me peace. Our Lady, health of the sick, pray for us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praying for those of you who woke up this morning and just hurt. Maybe some of you who uh, you didn't wake up this morning because you didn't sleep last night through anxiety or pain or whatever it is. I feel like I talk to a lot of people who have all kinds of issues going on. I want to let you know that we are praying for you this morning, that you get a little peace and some strength in the mix as well. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, Father Frank Donio is going to talk about the life of St. Vincent Pallotti, who, uh, well, the spoiler alert is that Father Frank Donio is in an order founded by St. Vincent. So we'll get, a, get to learn a little bit about him. He's considered by some to be kind of like a second St. Philip Neri. He's got a fascinating story. And we'll hear some of that in a little bit. Danielle Bean will talk about sending your kid off to school, maybe for the first time. Some of you uh, have kids who just started, your first kid just started school. And uh, it has been a wild ride so far. Danielle's got some tips. Steve Ray will do um, part of a series that we've been doing with him during the month of September on Our Lady of Sorrows. Of course, that is what the month of September is dedicated to on the church calendar. And then Chris McGregor will look at what St. Bernard of Clairvaux had to say about the sorrowful mother so stay with us if you can right now it is two minutes past the hour here's anna mitchell with news a service of central fabricators and centralfabricators.com 
morning. Catholic Relief Services reports that the enormity of loss and grief is widespread as people navigate the aftermath of the devastating earthquake in Morocco. More than 2,800 people have been killed. The death toll is still expected to rise. Thousands were injured as the quake was the strongest to hit the nation in more than a century. Offers of assistance have been pouring in from around the world, including from the U.S. CRS says Catholic Relief Services is supporting Caritas Rabat, whose teams mobilized a response within 24 hours to the hardest to reach areas. The Holy See's delegation to the United Nations and other international organizations has appealed for the international community to adhere to the Convention on Cluster Munitions. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. The Convention on Cluster Munitions is an international treaty of more than 100 nations that prohibits all use, production, transfer, and stockpiling of cluster munitions. The treaty came into force on August 1st in 2010. The Holy See Statement first notes appreciation for Iraq's commitment to the convention and the preparations it made for the Geneva meeting, while also congratulating Nigeria and South Sudan for acceding to it. Statement notes that any additional state party to the convention represents a renewed impulse to achieve universality, further ensuring that there will be fewer victims in the future and that those who are already tragically affected can be properly assisted. The Holy See representative then made an appeal for all states that are not yet party to the convention to join other nations who've signed it and are fully adhering to it for the benefit of all. The Holy See then recalled the convention's fundamental principles, especially the unequivocal reaffirmation of the preeminent and inherent value of human dignity and the centrality of the human person. The Holy See then appealed to all parties to the conflict in Ukraine to put an immediate end to the use of cluster munitions and echoed Pope Francis' continuing appeals to mobilize for peace in the war-torn Ukraine. In conclusion, the delegation noted Pope Francis' closeness to the victims of the many wars in our world while expressing gratitude for states' parties to the convention for their commitment and generosity in assisting the victims of cluster munitions with the sincere hope that we may continue with even greater vigor on this noble path in the defense of human dignity and life as well as the realization of the common good of all people. I'm Thaddeus Jones. The Biden administration is clearing the way for a prisoner exchange with Iran to free five Americans being held there. It has issued a waiver for foreign banks to transfer $6 billion in Iranian oil funds that have been held up by U.S. sanctions. All five Americans were transferred from prison to house arrest in Tehran while the agreement between the U.S. and Iran was finalized. They've all been deemed wrongfully detained by the State Department. In exchange, the administration will release five Iranian citizens detained in the United States. Tech industry leaders will be on Capitol Hill this week to discuss artificial intelligence. More from Mark Mayfield. Senators will hear from Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, and others during a closed-door meeting Wednesday. This comes as Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has prioritized bringing lawmakers up to speed on the rapidly advancing AI technology. I'm Mark Mayfield. And the American Red Cross is declaring a national blood shortage. The organization says the country's blood supply has dropped by almost 25 percent since early last month. The Red Cross warns the shortage could potentially threaten the medical care of patients with critical conditions such as cancer and 
sickle cell disease or those who have an emergency need for blood. Natural disasters like Hurricane Idalia are being blamed by the Red Cross for hindering efforts to collect blood. The Red Cross is monitoring Hurricane Lee and how it may impact the Northeast this week. All right. So if you're able, get out there. You know, as the saying goes, you know, blood donation saved our lives. We're a church living on the body and blood of Christ. So, uh, for a second there, I was wondering what you were. I was like, what saying has to do with blood? Okay. That makes a lot more there, sense. There's an old, like, Protestant t shirt that used to say that. Of course, they didn't. They were not saying it from a sacramental viewpoint. No. We are. And the Red Cross, certainly not um, sacramental either. No. But, you know, Christ gave his body and blood for us. If you have the opportunity, then uh, I would say go for it. Go for it. You know, who knows who that person might help mm-hmm. or who that who that blood might help. What person might be beneficial, might be benefiting from from you making that little sacrifice. So. And you get like peanut butter crackers and you, afterwards you get like a, and some orange juice. Some OJ. Yeah. I mean, how could it get any better? There you go. I don't know. Today is Tuesday, September the 12th. It is the Feast of the Most Holy Name of Mary. Lots more on Our Lady of Sorrows coming up at the end of the hour. Hope you can stick around for it. Right now, it's eight past. Father Frank Donio is joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show from the Catholic Apostolate Center. Good morning, Father Frank. Good morning, Anna. So we're going to start a little mini-series today on the life and spirituality of St. Vincent Pallotti, the the founder of the Palatines, of which you are a member. And we're going to talk about his life today. Born in 1795, was he born into a a faithful family? Very faithful family. Uh, Both parents were were deeply uh, committed to the faith. And and it's important to, to... Think about the time. So the French Revolution occurs in 1789. Mm-hmm. He's born in 1795. In 1798, a revolution occurs in Rome. Pope Pius VI is run out of Rome, and he dies in exile. Eventually, Pope Pius VII was elected, but... He was even taken by Napoleon. Pilates ordained in 1818. In the first, let's say, 20 years of his life, the the Pope comes back in about 1815 after Napoleon's defeat. So he's raised in in this situation of revolution where people were really throwing off their faith. His parents, on the other hand, were deeply, deeply committed to their faith. And they imbued this in, in, his, in him and his siblings. Unfortunately, various of his siblings uh, passed away very young. And so he was, uh, wanted to be a priest. And partially it's because of the upbringing that he had. Wow. I mean, that gives a lot of hope for parents listening today when you look at the culture around us and think there's no hope to bring uh, to bring up faithful kids in a in a world like today, but man, go back to the uh, the early nineteenth century, and uh, things were just as turbulent. Yeah, this is Rome. Let's stop for a moment and think, because <laughs> the whole center of Italy at this point, the Pope is also the the civil ruler. 
this is not just simply Vatican City State. This is the whole center of Italy that he was civil ruler of. And and so the, the whole world, both civil and ecclesiastical, gets thrown upside down. And, and that happens off and on throughout Pilate's life. And there are these people who it, it really drove him to try to revive the faith of Catholics and rekindle charity. That's what really drove him. And he was ordained a diocesan priest for the Diocese of Rome. You can walk from where he was born to where he died, which is now the, the church of uh, uh, our, our generalate, which is on the Tiber right at the Ponte Sisto, the, the bridge that's there, um, crossing into Trastevere. And there's a church there where his body is there. He's incorrupt. And it's a 10-minute walk. His entire ministry was in the city center of Rome. He's one of the few modern Roman saints. So his whole ministry was in the city of Rome, out in the streets, evangelizing out in the streets. Sometimes he would do street preaching, uh, caring for the poor, great love for the poor and the suffering and the dying, just, just constantly everywhere. He also worked a lot with seminarians and with priests. He was a, a seminary professor for f- the first 10 years of his priesthood, but he was always out in the streets. And he created this group of lay people, religious, and clergy that he called the Catholic Apostolate, a universal apostolate um, that he founded in 1835. And, and that became the beginnings of later uh, religious communities of priests and brothers and of sisters, as well as in this, this lay component that still exists today. Was he rather successful in his evangelization efforts um, in his his lifetime? Um, was he known for his sanctity in his lifetime? Yes, tr- uh, tremendously known for his sanctity. But he also had a number of saint, what are who are now saint and blessed friends. Uh, that so, seems to be the case with saints. Yeah, it, it was really, other. you know, St. Saint, Gaspar del Buffalo. Yeah. Um, St. Vincent Strombi of the Passionists. Blessed Pius IX, who he knew as a layperson wow. and, and predicted that he would be Pope. And uh, Blessed Anna Maria Tiagi uh, of the Trinitarian tradition. Uh, Blessed Elizabeth Sana, who was a, uh, a co- close collaborator with him, who also was a Franciscan tertiary, but was in Franciscan third order, but also in, you know, in Pilate was third order everything. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it was fascinating. Five different third orders, various confraternities, <laughs> arch confraternities. But he could just move from church to church in That's Rome awesome. and, and, and just do these different things. It was, it was fa- fascinating. Uh, but also, you know, trying to to call people to greater greater holiness. He was a, he was a very sought-after confessor. Uh, and, you know, there were very mystical things, which we'll talk about in later uh, later conversations, that, that also occur. So he was an apostle and a mystic. Mm. He was both. And it, it, uh, this, he had this fantastic sense of God's as infinite and then also the needs of the person right in front of him. You know, Father, there are a lot of similarities as I'm listening to you talk um, with another apostle of Rome, St. Philip Neri. Yes, yes. In fact, there, there were people at his death you know, who talked about Pilate as a second St. Philip Neri. Wow. And, and and then unfortunately at the end of his life, you know, so he starts these these communities. He started an orphanage, which still exists, uh, for at-risk children that became where the Palatine Sisters emanated from. 
the the priests and brothers started to grow. He didn't want to start a group of of religious men, but that's what happened um, in the in the eighteen forties. And then in eighteen forty eight, you know, another revolution comes, mm-hmm. and he's he had to hide out. And and they went through. He was hiding out in the Irish College because he was spiritual director to several of the college: Pontifical Urban College, English College, Irish College, Scots College. Wow. And so he's very interested in what was happening in the Catholic Church in the British Isles, for example, and here as well, and helped missionary efforts. So this group that he founded was about mission, the the church's work in the missions, uh, reviving the faith of Catholics and universal charity. That's what the society or the union of Catholic apostles was all about. And then uh, they they went room by room trying to kill him, uh, the revolutionaries, in 1848. And then when he was hiding out in the Irish college, he was there for about six months, but survived. And they passed his room for some reason, because they were killing Mm -hmm. priests. And then in in, uh, 1850, he gave away his cloak in a January, this very cold rain. If you've ever been in Rome at that time of year, a lot of cold rain, gave away his cloak. And as he was helping the poor, he gave it to a poor person and then um, contracted a pleurisy, you know, formed kind of close to similar pneumonia and then died. Didn't have a lot of followers. He wasn't he wasn't St. You know, St. John Bosco or Mother Teresa. But he said on his deathbed, the society will grow and flourish. And he was right. We're 2,456 countries, just the priests and brothers, Mm. and thousands of people affected by his spirituality. Well, I'm certainly grateful for his effect on you and uh, the work that you do through the Catholic Apostolate Serum, particularly your ministry here on the Sunrise Morning Show. So looking forward to diving more into his life and spirituality with you in the next couple of weeks. We've been talking to Father Frank Donio, and you can find the Catholic Apostolate Center linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you. Thank you, and God bless. You too, Father. Thank you very much. All right, 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN podcasts are the perfect companion for busy Catholics everywhere. 
Your favorite EWTN programs are waiting for you to listen to on your time. With on-demand access to audio, you can pause and pick up right where you left off, anytime, anywhere. Just subscribe by using your mobile device's free podcast app. Find old favorites or discover something new. EWTN Podcasts. They're waiting for you. 19 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Catholic Relief Services reports that the enormity of loss and grief is widespread. More than 2,800 people have been killed and the death toll is expected to rise after that devastating earthquake in Morocco. The Holy See's delegation to the United Nations is urging the international community to adhere to the Convention on Cluster Munitions. And Pope Francis welcomed the leader of the Malankara Orthodox Syrian Church at the Vatican yesterday. Next newscast coming up in about 11 minutes. Anna Mitchell, there are a lot of dramas going on in the church. A lot of them. A lot of them. I don't feel like talking about most of them because they do not make me holier. Sure. The discussion of them. Yeah. But I do want to address something that pops up uh, almost every time a drama pops up, which is this question of people saying, well, that person is not a real Catholic or that person's a fake Catholic or that person's not Catholic anymore. Uh, I just want to make a, a clear point about what sacramental theology There's an indelible teaches. mark on you when you're so baptized. In paragraph 1272 of the, of the catechism, it says, Baptism seals the Christian with the indelible spiritual mark or character of his belonging to Christ. What does indelible no, mean? It means it's stuck with you forever. It's on your soul. It goes on to say, no sin can erase this mark. Even if sin prevents baptism from bearing the fruits of salvation. Yep. Gotta be so, careful. Um, I, uh, don't deny up. Catholic sacramental don't theology. De- in your attempt to Just, defend the faith, yeah. don't deny sacramental theology. That's all I'm saying. Good point, Matt. That person's not Catholic anymore. Yes, they are. Every hour of every day, there's over 50 minutes of solid Catholic teaching on Sacred Heart Radio. Whether we're discussing the Catholic perspective on current issues, reflecting on the heroic life of a saint, or spending an hour in prayer, every hour of every day, Sacred Heart Radio is broadcasting the good news of our salvation through Jesus Christ because of the generosity of listeners like you. Thank you. To join in this mission, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Donate. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. Insured, screened, and drug-free employees deliver service with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymaid.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. Are you looking for a way to grow in holiness as a married couple? Do you desire to grow closer to God and to each other as you navigate the challenges of life? Join us for a marriage retreat. October 20th through the 22nd at Catholic Family Land. Deepen your relationship with your spouse through prayer, receiving the sacraments, intentional communication, and time spent together. Register at afc.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Bridgetown Finer Meats, the place to go for Wagyu beef. This beef is bred from authentic Wagyu genetics from legendary Japanese bloodlines. Holistically raised on local family farms, Wagyu is all natural with no added hormones, highly marbled, and absolutely delicious. Since 1979, Bridgetown Finer Meats has continually offered prime beef, top quality pork, Amish poultry, fresh seafood, and a vast array of homemade foods. Bridgetown Finer Meats, 574-3100 and online at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. It's 23 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Danielle Bean back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Connect with her, invite her to speak or lead a retreat through DanielleBean.com. Listen to her girlfriend's podcast through GoodCatholic.com. Join the community at GirlfriendsCommunity.com. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning. How are you? I am doing great, thank you. And that's that time of year when moms and dads are sending their kids off to school, and some of them for the first time ever. I mean, by first time, though, do I mean sending off college freshmen, or am I talking about (laughs) preschoolers? What do you think is more emotionally charged? Oh, you know what? They all are. I've realized, you know, I think... Definitely the sending off to college or your kid going, you know, joining the military or those big life moves are more emotionally challenging. But as I've gone through those as a parent myself, I've realized the entire time I've been parenting these kids has been a series of letting go, saying goodbye. Those tiny little bittersweet moments where your child's making a first new next move toward independence. They're wonderful and we celebrate them. And yet at the same time, they stab us in the heart a little bit, don't they? Letting go. I think I remember reading a book oh. with that title. <laughs> yeah, so my book, Giving Thanks and Letting Go, which is published through Ave Maria Press, I, I wrote it a few years back when I was just reflecting on this stage of life that I'm in right now with my family and with kids going off to college, getting married, those other kinds of things, and realizing that that was really the mantra that I found myself turning to time and again, that I was really being called to do exactly that at every stage of this process was giving thanks and letting go. And there really are so many applications of that one simple phrase in all the different parts of life, but family life in particular. Yeah, for sure. So uh, preschool and college, I mean, two very different stages of life. But at the same time, as I was I was thinking, I mean, I've never sent a kid off to college, but I've been sent off to college. Um, right. There are a lot of similarities in terms of being a parent and allowing your child to grow in independence. Right. Isn't that, just, isn't that fascinating to think about? Like yeah. they're just allowing your child to grow up and move on in some way. Like that's that's a difficult, painful process for us as a parent. And yet, you know, you just mentioned, like, whether you're sending your kid off to school for the first time or they're they're going away to college or these different ways that we're letting go, it truly is a joyful moment as well. Like, bittersweet really is the, the experience that we have in those moments. So, that said, I mean, a preschooler is going to come home every day and need you <laughs> for almost everything from, you know, the middle of the day on again. Um so what special advice do you have, Danielle, for, for parents who are sending their kids off to college for the first time? Yeah, I, the number one thing I encourage parents to do is just give yourself grace. Give yourself time and space to fully experience what you're going through. It can be a very busy time. I noticed this myself with several of my kids. If you're preparing to take them to school, maybe you're making a trip with them, getting their dorm set up and all of these things. And that can be very distracting because you've got a lot going on. But 
make sure that you're giving yourself the time to process what you're experiencing. That doesn't mean wallowing in negative emotions, but truly being honest about, you know, what might be challenging for you in experiencing this, what might be hard for you. Give yourself that kind of grace, and that might mean building in some margins in your life, maybe freeing up a little bit more time on your calendar during this this process where it really is a grieving process in in some ways. It's really a letting go that can be very painful for parents, but I always encourage people to fully experience it, process it, be honest, talk through your feelings with somebody, journal if you enjoy doing that kind of thing, but fully understand what you are going through. And, you know, it's, it's, in, the, it's in the feeling that you find the healing, right? I think that's yeah. a helpful phrase to remember. So allow yourself to feel those emotions and don't stuff them down or try to distract yourself. Well, should you call your kid or should you wait for the kid to call you? <laughs> Well, I think there's a, there's a time limit on how long you wait, right? Okay, so, sure. <laughs> but, but for sure, give them a little bit of space, too, because they're going through something as well. I find that texting is something that I've really come to rely on with my big kids as they've gone off uh, because it's a little less intrusive and it's, it's easy for them to, you know, send you to a quick ghost reply. You. Oh. Sometimes that's all we need is a little check-in, like you're still alive, you're doing all right, and they're busy living their lives, so maybe they're not going to have a time for an hour-long phone call with mom. But those, those times come too, and they really are a special blessing. I thought you were going to say it allows your kid to ignore you, to ghost you, to, you know, like, <laughs> no, live no, their no. own lives. Oh, okay. That's not allowed. That's not allowed. <laughs> we need some basic communication, but also making sure that you are giving them space as well, which I know can be a very challenging thing. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you pray for your kids in these seminal moments, whether it be preschool or, or sending them off to college? Yeah, well, first of all, just make sure you are, right? Like, so so many times we feel helpless in these moments and like, oh, my parenting is done. My kid doesn't need me anymore. Oh, no, they definitely need you. And I know myself as having experienced the blessing of a praying mom in my life. I count on my mom as a prayer warrior in my life. And we are called to be that to our kids. So even if you're not right there, you know, making them breakfast in the morning and helping them pick out what to wear and holding their hand on the way to class, you can be there present spiritually. You can be encouraging them. Pray to their guardian angels especially, I think, is a powerful way to connect with your child through prayer. How about praying for yourself in these moments, Danielle? Is that okay? (laughs) Of course, yes. Pray for the grace and strength to, to be a good mother in these moments, to be a good parent, to be the person that God wants you to be. And then ultimately, I encourage people, when you're in a stage of change like this, bring these words to prayer. What next? what now ask god what he is calling you to do next because i promise you he has a plan for your life right now it's not all over he has people in your life for you to love and serve and he's going to show you what your next stage is love it thank you so much danielle bean you can find her girlfriend's podcast linked at sunrisemorningshow.com that's s-o-n risemorningshow.com be sure to click that subscribe button so you can get the information in your inbox as we go on the air Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show, it's time for news. The Global Caritas Network is offering support to Caritas Rabat to help those devastated by the largest earthquake to hit Morocco in more than a century. Catholic Relief Services reports the priorities are emergency shelter, food, clean water and hygiene supplies, blankets, kitchenwares and support for medical assistance and counseling. Another priority is planning for long-term support. CRS reports more than 300,000 people have been affected. At least 2,490 were killed. 
access to remote areas with the worst destruction, especially in the mountain towns, remains difficult. But Caritas, which has a longstanding presence in the country, mobilized within 24 hours to reach those areas. Pope Francis welcomed the leader of the Malankara Orthodox Syrian Church at the Vatican yesterday. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Pope Francis welcomed His Holiness Basilius Mar Thomas Matthews III, the Catholicos of the Eastern Malankara Metropolitan of the Malankara Orthodox Syrian Church during a visit to the Vatican. In his address, Pope Francis expressed gratitude for their growing bonds since the Second Vatican Council and highlighted the historical visits and meetings between their respective predecessors. May I say, Your Holiness, that here you are at home as a beloved and long-awaited brother, said Pope Francis. He acknowledged the ancient faith of the Malankara Orthodox Syrian Church, tracing its origins to the Apostle Thomas and emphasized the shared faith in Jesus as Lord and God, in this regard, the Holy Father noted that the faith of St. Thomas was inseparable from his experience of the wounds of the body of Christ. The divisions that have occurred throughout history between us Christians have been painful wounds inflicted on the body of Christ that is the Church. We ourselves continue to witness their effects. The Malankara Orthodox Syrian Church, also known as the Indian Orthodox Church, or simply as the Malankara Church, is an autocephalous Oriental Orthodox Church. The Pope concluded by invoking St. Thomas the Apostle's intercession for unity and witness, connecting it to St. Thomas's transition from disbelief to belief upon seeing Jesus' wounds, saying, When the Lord showed his wounds, St. Thomas passed from disbelief to belief by what he saw. May our shared contemplation of the crucified and risen Lord lead to the complete healing of our past wounds so that before our eyes, transcending all distance and misunderstanding, he may appear. I'm Francesca Merlo. The Holy See's delegation to the United Nations and other international organizations is appealing to Ukraine, the U.S. and Russia and to the entire international community to adhere to the Convention on Cluster Munitions. This coming in the wake of the U.S. sending cluster munitions to Ukraine to aid in their fight against Russia. The U.S., Russia, and Ukraine are among those that did not enter into the convention, which vowed not to produce, stockpile, or use cluster bombs. The Holy See delegation asked all parties in the conflict to put an immediate end to the use of cluster munitions. The Biden administration is clearing the way for a prisoner exchange with Iran to free five Americans being held there. It has issued a waiver for foreign banks to transfer $6 billion in Iranian oil funds that have been held up by U.S. sanctions. All five Americans were transferred from prison to house arrest in Tehran while the agreement between the U.S. and Iran was finalized. They've all been deemed wrongfully detained by the U.S. State Department. In exchange, the administration will release five Iranian citizens detained in the U.S. Time is running out to avoid a strike against America's top automakers. Mark Mayfield reports. The United Auto Workers Union is readying to go on strike Friday if GM, Ford and Stellantis don't meet demands on pay raises, pensions and job protections. Up to 146,000 workers are set to walk off the job if they can't come to a new agreement impacting production and increasing prices. One estimate says a strike lasting just 10 days could result in a total loss of more than $5 billion for the U.S. economy. I'm Mark Mayfield. Authorities say an escaped murderer, Daniello Cavalcante, could be in an area about 30 miles northwest of Philadelphia, and they're telling residents to shelter in place. He's been on the run for nearly two weeks after escaping from prison in Chester County, where he was serving a life sentence. 
There is a $25,000 reward for any information that could lead to Cavalcante's capture. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour. The podcast of the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith lets you replay and share an interview. They even have markers to help you find the interview quickly. Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith podcast are in the daily show notes at sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air, treating customers with integrity for over 90 years for heating, air conditioning, water heaters, plumbing, and more. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com skpha.com. Hi, I'm Patrick Cagney with Cagney Family Real Estate, Coldwell Banker. Proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, sister, Mar, and I have more than 60 years of real estate experience to help you with the most important buying and selling decisions. 513-319-7312. Longtime underwriter and proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, Cincinnati Right to Life ensures that God-given human rights are guaranteed for all simply by being human. Regardless of age or stage, ability or disability, CincinnatiRightToLife.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of the Most Holy Name of Mary, Tuesday, September the 12th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to need the umbrella today. Right now, temperatures in the lower 60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be scattered showers today and cooler with a high of 74 degrees. A few leftover showers tonight, otherwise mostly cloudy and an overnight low of 54 Partly cloudy tomorrow with a high of 74 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, mostly cloudy skies today with a few rain showers likely and a high of 74 degrees. Tonight, a leftover shower possible and then becoming partly cloudy with an overnight low of 53. Partly sunny with a slight chance of a shower north and a high of 70 tomorrow. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, and September is dedicated to Our Lady of Sorrows. And these are uh, a series of devotions where we look at, you know, kind of the the plight that Our Lady had. You know, it's a great joy to bear the Son of God, but also there is a lot of sorrow and suffering that went along with that as well. Steve Ray from CatholicConvert.com. Good morning. Good afternoon. Yes, I always, every time, every time, Steve. I have to guess at which, I mean, there's, we should play like some kind of like a, a game with like push pins on a map just to map it all out. Uh, so today we're talking about some, it, it really is, and in real time as well. Um, you've written some things about the unknown sorrows, sorrows of Mary. People are very familiar with the seven sorrows, and we've gone over them quite a bit already this month. But these unknown sorrows of Mary are kind of the fruit of sort of personal devotion and reflection on the scriptures. And, you know, when you say unknown sorrows, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, uh, sorrows that we don't realize that we read through the scriptures and we think of Mary's life and the seven that we talked about last week are obvious, you know, the uh, death of her son on the cross and so but, but in her life, there were, I've come up with 12 unknown ones that we don't know that have never been, I don't think they've ever been talked about as sorrows of Mary. And because of the time that I've seen scripture 
character and writing and, uh, and, and being over here, walking in the footprints of Mary so many times. It's like over 200 times. And I'm in Jerusalem now. And, and I've come up with 12 unknown sorrows. So what I thought we would do since September is the month of the sorrows of Mary. We already did the seven known. I've decided let's do the 12 and divide them up into four so that we have each show that we do this month, we're doing four more of the unknown or un recognized sorrows of Mary, but were things that were really sorrows for her. Well, and what I'm thinking is that as we go through this exercise and look at these 12 unknown sorrows of Mary, uh, a lot of other sorrows are going to occur to us as well, just by virtue of us having been parents and thinking about just the natural flow of parenthood. So hopefully this will help us to kind of really right. enter into what it must have really been like for Jesus to be growing up in a family. So let's start with that first unknown sorrow that you wanted to point out. Okay, I think the first unknown sorrow of Mary's life was the Annunciation. What? Isn't that one of the joyful mysteries? Isn't that? Yes, but the very fact that she was going to be pregnant and have a baby in her womb before she was actually married to Joseph. Now, one of the things that's clear in Israel, as it is today, I've been to weddings already uh, for our friends here in Nazareth. One is the betrothal, which is done in the church. Uh oh, I think we're losing. I believe we're losing Steve here. Uh, Paul, why don't you see if you can get him on the phone if we're able, and if not, we'll uh, we'll sort of move along. Uh, just to to key in on that um, that point, Anna Mitchell, uh, Steve was talking about the Annunciation being a joyful mystery, but also being one of the sorrows of of Mary because yeah. you know there is this great joy. Uh, in this announcement, there's also Mary saying, uh, how is this going to work? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? well, you know, it's funny that um, I remember because, well, Chris McGregor is going to be coming up here in a couple of minutes to to talk about Our Lady of Sorrows. And I remember having her on the show a couple of years ago um, where we were talking about the, the Feast of the Presentation. And so you have... Um, it's a joyful mystery of the rosary, but in the midst of that story is one of her seven sorrows when Simeon tells her that a sword is going to pierce her heart. And so it's it's always the Catholic both and, right? You have joy the mixed joy with mixed with sorrow. Uh, Matt, I know you're going to go into Inside Out here. Um, the, we're the, here. Oh. Oh, there he is. Steve's back. Hey, Steve. Yes, we're back. So, Steve, well, we walked a little bit the, through the that. Opal did- yeah, it happens, but, work, but the phone system does. Well, you know, we just walked through that first unknown sorrow of Mary, and I love your point and your notes. How uh, when you know Mary hears this message and it, it's wrapped up with joy, but also a little anticipation and fear, and and how if you were Mary, you would have said, "Angel, why don't you go tell everybody else in Nazareth what you just told me?" So there's no suspicion in the community right. <laughs> community about me. But it says in Luke one thirty eight, then the angel left her. So she was kind of on her own yeah. with this news. Yes, and she's a 15-year-old girl. How does a 15-year-old girl process this message? And in the Old Testament, of course, a, a young girl who was pregnant out of wedlock would be stoned because she had 
not been married to have sexual relations. So they would have stoned her at that time. So this whole thing, and marriage is two parts. One is the betrothal, and one is actually when the husband comes to take her to his home. And I've been in, so it's, it's a very real thing. So she, uh, there's probably a reason why she went to visit her relative Elizabeth to get out of town for a little while because her sister, her relative Elizabeth to go there kind of on a retreat. But that's the first sorrow because what what's going to happen in Nazareth, a very small town of only 250 people when they find out she's pregnant and Joseph hasn't yet brought her into his home, it's a problem. That's a great sorrow, and, and uh, we could go into it a lot more. But the second sorrow, unknown sorrow then, I think is when they're going to Bethlehem and – Joseph is with her on the donkey. She's on a don- We don't know she was on a donkey. We assume that. But when they walked into Jerusalem, uh, Bethlehem, they passed the tomb of Rachel. Rachel was the wife of Jacob 2,000 years earlier, roughly 1,800 years earlier. And they were going into Bethlehem, and Rachel was nine months pregnant. And she got off her camel, gave birth to a baby named Benjamin, and she died in childbirth, and they buried her on the side of the road. By the way, I'm going to be going into Bethlehem in about four days, and that tomb is still there. Yeah, I was about 4, to say this. years later, the tomb of Rachel. Still this is there. one of those that you would not necessarily know because it's not. There's no scripture that records this, but if you've been to the Holy Land, you know that you kind of have to go by that. Yes, and can you imagine Joseph now? 1,800 years later, he's going into Bethlehem, and his wife is nine months pregnant, and he looks over at that tomb of his matriarch, Rachel, and says, oh, dear Lord, please don't let that happen to my wife. And people would say, oh, well, you know, this is the son of God. It's a predestined, but but if if you don't have to worry about this baby being, having a problem, but uh, the wife, but didn't the angel say, quickly, quickly, Joseph, Flee to Egypt. They're trying to kill the baby. There were real dangers with this family. The Holy Family did not have this. There were real. And so to look over at that tomb and see that, do you think Joseph and Mary weren't concerned? It was a sorrow. Oh, my goodness. Let's hope we don't well, have that Certainly problem. would have known the story very well. I mean, it's the story of the people of Israel uh, right there, one of the most famous stories in their history. You know, because we're short on time, the third unknown sorrow of Mary is one that is is sort of obvious, but the angle is 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 sort of unique here. The slaughter of the innocents is this tragedy where Herod finds out that there's a new king of Israel, as it were, and goes and has all these children slaughtered in hopes of wiping him out. And if Joseph and Mary are learning about this and know that it's because of this message they've received, of course it would have caused enormous sorrow to Joseph and Mary both. But this fourth unknown sorrow of Mary also involves Joseph, doesn't it, Steve? It does, because somewhere along the line, between the time Jesus was 12 years old, when they found him in the temple, and when he was crucified, that Joseph died. And that's, Joseph was Mary's protector. He was her husband. Can you imagine? And now she has to raise this special boy all by herself, and her husband has died. So you have this. And not not only that, but who's going to take care of Mary now? Because Jesus is going to die on the cross. And in those days, there was no welfare. There was no system to take care of women who were or uh, were widows or orphans. These people, it, this was a sorrow for Mary to have her husband, who had been her caretaker and her the father of her son, die, and not knowing now how she's going to be taken care of, which is why Jesus from the cross said, John, 
now you take care of my mother. Why? Because she doesn't have any other sons and her husband has died. So these four sor- unknown sorrows of Mary, I think, are very real sorrows. And we can touch on the other ones, the other uh, eight next time. Sounds great. And, you know, uh, as you mentioned that, that uh, aspect of Mary and Joseph's journey and, and Mary's situation after Joseph died, you know, you think about who is the early church most devoted to taking care of? Uh, over and over you see it uh, throughout the book of Acts, throughout the letters of St. Paul and James and the like. It's widows and orphans. It's widows and orphans. That's yeah. who uh, yeah. we are called to, to look out for first and foremost. They're almost a symbol of every kind of need. So, Steve Ray, pray for us when you're in the Holy Land, and we'll talk to you again soon. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Matt. More on the sorrows of Mary through the lens of St. Bernard of Clairvaux. Coming up next with Chris McGregor, it's 13 Till. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. Find out more at TheAbrasiveOne.com. That's the number one, TheAbrasiveOne.com. Support is from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have traveled to nearly every corner of the world. Founded by St. Daniel Comboni, we are an international Catholic organization dedicated to ministering the world's poorest and most abandoned people. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon, you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at sunrisemorningshow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. Teresa Tamio. Every time I go to Mass and see my husband serving on the altar as a deacon, it hits me how, with God, all things are possible. I mean, there is no way that we should be still married, number one, based on all the problems we had. But number two, the fact that I'm in Catholic media and my husband is a deacon is simply a testimony to the power of God and the teachings of the church that saved our marriage and, more importantly, our souls. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. It's 11 till. Happy to welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show, Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? I am so joyful because we get to talk about my girl, the Sorrowful Mother, who is my absolute favorite in terms of titles of the Blessed Mother. I cannot think of one that I 
love more than Our Lady of Sorrows. And that is what we are going to be talking about today. Our selection from the Office of Readings is for her September 15th feast day, the day after the exaltation of the Holy Cross. And this is a a sermon of St. Bernard of Clairvaux, a doctor of the church. And it is very clear that this man spent a lot of time contemplating our Blessed Mother. Oh, the man who gave us the memorare. Yeah. Uh, the, the great prayer, and never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Mm. This is the mother. And today to be able to speak to her on the feast of her name day, the holy name of Mary, the ones who cry out to her because she understands. She's a mother who understands and has been there and can compassionate with us when we sorrow that I think is uh, so beautiful. I'm so glad that you allowed us to do this today, Anna. Well, the very first couple of words of this sermon, I think are so striking. He just starts by talking about the martyrdom of the Virgin, the martyrdom. Mm, Yes. The, the martyrdom of, of the Virgin is uh, especially when we recall the prophecy of Simeon and and then connect that with the actual passion of our Lord. You know, I was trying to uh, put my brain around this. And then yesterday, I, I don't, I'm sure you did too, when the beatification took place of the Alma family. Yes. And when you heard the details of what happened to the family, who in love responded in action to shield the helpless, the ones who were being hunted, and they um, themselves, once it was discovered the Jews were on their farm, uh, the Nazi soldiers came in and not only killed the Jews, but killed the father, killed a mother who was in the process of birthing her child. Yeah. And then looked upon the children and saw them in pain and suffering from their uh, watching their parents die. And they turned the guns on them and shot them. And your heart, when you hear the story, your heart sorrows. It breaks, not only for the family, not only for the children, but then think about the Nazi soldiers. Those, bo- those boys, probably those men who had been born in a Christian nation, who had determined that they were going to take this action, cries out in pain, in sorrow, have mercy on them as well. Mm. And that's, you know, and you can't contemplate that. Now, that's just a sliver of what the Blessed Mother at the foot of the cross, the woman who would contain love within her own body, give it form, had never, no human has ever experienced what Mary felt, having God, who is love. That's what John tells us, that here she, and now at the foot of the cross is experience that not only real time with her, son but as Simeon said so the thoughts of many so all of us my thoughts yesterday when contemplating the uh, the Alma family my sorrow in that that was almost too much to think about that's what she can that flows through her all the time with all of us Anna it's such an incredible thought to know that love itself was contained in her womb for mm-hmm. those nine months, he writes, Oh, truly, truly, O oh blessed mother, a sword has pierced your heart. 
for only by passing through your heart could the sword enter the flesh of your son. Indeed, after your Jesus, who belongs to everyone but is especially yours, gave up his life, the cruel spear which was not withheld from his lifeless body tore open his side. Clearly, it did not touch his soul and could not harm him, but it did pierce your heart. You think about those moments of our Blessed Mother at the foot of the cross after her son had given up his spirit. And 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 you think of the pain of all mothers that have to watch a child suffer, um, mm. you know, knowing that that your child is up there on that cross and you can't do anything to take them down from that cross. And that's all you want to do as a mother is to I, I honestly I mean, I know this is going to sound weird, but I almost feel like her suffering was greater mm. in many ways. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, and the excruciating pain of so many of us who are mothers who watch our ch- children suffer, those who may have been born with um, disabilities. I have two children out of my three that are, have autism. Mm-hmm. And I think about what will happen to them in the future, not only what they need to endure today, but how people will treat them, how they will be cared for. That's a that's a pain inside. That's a sorrow. It's a hope. I know where I know that God loves them and God's going to take them up in their glory in heaven. But living in the earth today, it's hard to know what will happen. And there are so many mothers um, who have children who have uh, those type of uh, challenges, but also send their kids off to war or they watch them suffer with addictions. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember embracing our our blessed mother our lady of sorrows um as I was waiting to find out a diagnosis for my own child and and offering to her asking praying for the graces that if I was going to have to be like her in the sense of am I going to have to watch my child suffer and die? Please give me those graces to be like you, to be able to to give that love. She died in spirit through a love unlike any other since his, St. Bernard says. We've been talking to Chris McGregor. I can't believe we're out of time already, Chris. Thank you so much. God bless you, dear. You too. Thank you. All right, that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. In this crazy world, where can Catholics go with their hard-earned money and not support businesses that go against our faith? Check out the Angels List on SacredHeartRadio.com. It's a list of businesses owned and operated by our Catholic brothers and sisters who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the Angels List, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? 
we have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles in Miamisburg. Featuring beautiful custom rosaries and thoughtful Christ-centered gifts for weddings, priestly ordinations, and any occasion. 937-530-8026. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com. That's Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com. This is Father Benedict O'Kinsla, pastor of Our Lady of Victory in Delhi. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at SacredHeartRadio.com. Tuesday, the 12th of September, the Feast of the Holy Name of Mary. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> we praise you, O Lord, for having chosen Mary to be preserved from all sin from the moment of her immaculate conception. We praise you, O Lord, for having inspired Mary to consecrate herself as your exclusive sanctuary through perpetual virginity. We praise you, O Lord, for having bestowed upon Mary the honor of being the mother of God for our redemption. We praise you, O Lord, for having taken up Mary, body and soul, into heaven, where she reigns now with you as queen of heaven and earth. O Lord, we praise you for choosing Mary to be the mother of your son and our mother. May we who call upon her name always find protection from sin and evil. May her intercession lead us closer to you who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. It is a better way to start a Tuesday, this Feast of the Holy Name of Mary, the Sunrise Morning Show on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, Joe Heschmeyer is going to be along from Catholic Answers. Always great to catch up with him. Patty Armstrong is going to talk about the powerful witness of grandparents. She's got a piece over at the National Catholic Register about that. We'll look more at this meeting between... Elon and Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and all the tech guys uh, that uh, are going to be converging on Washington with Father Philip Luray from Humanity 2.0. Uh, he's going to give us some suggestions on how to pray for that meeting and uh, maybe, you know, what we should be thinking about in terms of how we ethically use media, um, as it were in this rapidly developing technological world. And then Andrew Swafford, who's been going through A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament with us, is going to look at the book of First Kings today. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. News and service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. 
morning, Catholic Relief Services reports the enormity of loss and grief is widespread as people navigate the aftermath of the devastating earthquake in Morocco. More than 2,800 people have been killed. The death toll is expected to rise still. Thousands were injured as the quake was the strongest to hit the nation in more than a century. CRS says they are supporting Caritas Rabat, whose teams mobilized a response within 24 hours to the hardest to reach areas. The Holy See's delegation to the United Nations and other international organizations has appealed for the international community to adhere to the Convention on Cluster Munitions. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. The Convention on Cluster Munitions is an international treaty of more than 100 nations that prohibits all use production, transfer, and stockpiling of cluster munitions. The treaty came into force on August 1st in 2010. The Holy See Statement first notes appreciation for Iraq's commitment to the convention and the preparations it made for the Geneva meeting, while also congratulating Nigeria and South Sudan for acceding to it. The statement notes that any additional state party to the convention represents a renewed impulse to achieve universality, further ensuring that there will be fewer victims in the future and that those who are already tragically affected can be properly assisted. The Holy See representative then made an appeal for all states that are not yet party to the convention to join other nations who've signed it and are fully adhering to it for the benefit of all. The Holy See then recalled the convention's fundamental principles, especially the unequivocal reaffirmation of the preeminent and inherent value of human dignity and the centrality of the human person. The Holy See then appealed to all parties to the conflict in Ukraine to put an immediate end to the use of cluster munitions and echoed Pope Francis' continuing appeals to mobilize for peace in the war-torn Ukraine. In conclusion, the delegation noted Pope Francis' closeness to the victims of the many wars in our world while expressing gratitude for states' parties to the convention for their commitment and generosity in assisting the victims of cluster munitions with the sincere hope that we may continue with even greater vigor on this noble path in the defense of human dignity and life as well as the realization of the common good of all people. I'm Thaddeus Jones. Hurricane Lee could become a Category 4 storm later today. The slow-moving Lee is currently out in the Atlantic, bringing rip currents to the to Florida and the Caribbean. But forecasters say it's unlikely to hit the East Coast. By Wednesday, the storm is expected to start heading north, parallel to the coast. New England remains on alert as there is a small chance the storm could impact the region over the weekend. The Biden administration is clearing the way for a prisoner exchange with Iran to free five Americans being held there. It has issued a waiver to foreign banks to transfer $6 billion in Iranian oil funds that have been held up by U.S. sanctions and also in exchange for five U.S. citizens. The administration will release five Iranian citizens detained in the U.S. Tech industry leaders will be on Capitol Hill this week to discuss artificial intelligence. More from Mark Mayfield. Senators will hear from Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, and others during a closed-door meeting Wednesday. This comes as Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has prioritized bringing lawmakers up to speed on the rapidly advancing AI technology. I'm Mark Mayfield. And jelly maker J.M. Smucker is buying snack brand Hostess in a multi-billion dollar deal. The maker of the popular Smucker's Jelly announced yesterday it will buy the Twinkies maker 
for $5.6 billion included in the purchase are popular hostess brands like Cupcakes, Ding Dongs, Zingers, and Ho-Hos. The purchase is the latest in a series of deals the packaged food industry has seen recently, including Campbell's Soup buying the maker of Rayo's sauces. Paul, do you have any comments? Um, I guess uh, I you, try uh, to stay away from them, but I, I, I think the cupcakes might be my favorite. I'm not much of a Zingers or Ho-Ho's guy. Yeah, I was more of a Swiss roll. Twinkies, uh, Twinkies are, are good in, in, in idea. This is but like... I, I haven't had a Twinkie in forever, but the last time I was extremely disappointed. <laughs> I tell you, I I thought that that was maybe just like uh, something I liked. As I a think kid, Ryan Loeb has, just, has something. Here. How are you disappointed with a Twinkie? I I, I don't know. You That's know what, what I, I thought. I was maybe I I hammed it up. I thought it was going to be great, and it was. You know, way back in the day, they had uh, strawberry filled Twinkies. Oh yeah, and this was in the early '90s, and I haven't found it. If, if anyone has one, please send it to me. I'm sure it's still good. No way. Oh, no actually, doubt. actually, From yeah, that's true. It's probably still. Uh, yeah. It, I don't know. If, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they Twinkies will um, survive. It is the kind of amazing. Well, it's kind of amazing to me so. that these brands, like that, people still buy these things. Like this is like holdover from our childhood. I think it's and the packaging. They are so. The packaging bad for is you. so bright they are and so it's so bad for you. But we all turned out okay. So. We did turn out so okay. So why not just give right, them to our kids? I right. mean, why not? I don't know. Go buy a box of Twinkies. You know what? Freddie's birthday is tomorrow. And I've got you sitting here, Ryan. Who's, yeah. Your your son is a classmate. That's true. We've also got another friend in here. I won't name her or anything. <laughs> she also has children in it. Maybe I should get Twinkies for the... Uh... I vote no. No, I, no, no Twinkies homemade, for the... Homemade cupcakes are way better. I, I would not post it. Don't put that much pressure on me, Paul. <laughs> well, you know, nice... Uh, maybe find a Rita Heikenfeld uh, cupcake... Uh... Recipe. I don't uh, think that there Rita is. Rita doesn't one. do much baking. No, no. Good well, point. Maybe she does. Who knows? I don't know. I'm sure she has an idea too. Anyway, I guess we got to get to sports. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Kind of. Brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Yeah, yesterday not a whole lot went on. Reds uh, were off yesterday, but will play again today. So they'll take on the uh, Detroit Tigers at Comerica Park. Reds still within striking distance of that last wild card spot in the NL. Tigers nowhere close. They're sixty six and seventy seven. How about the? Uh, how about this? Uh, last night, Monday Night Football, the New York Jets picked up an overtime win, twenty two sixteen over the Buffalo Bills with a uh, punt return, sixty five yards to end the game. Bad news, Aaron Rodgers out with an ankle injury. Looks like it's a uh, Achilles, so he may be done for the season. Zach Wilson came in in relief, got the win. Also, uh, how about this, Anna Mitchell? Kansas City Chiefs, yeah. Buffalo Bills, yeah. Cincinnati Bengals. All 0-1. All 0-1. Not that's how crazy, we draw it up. It? Yeah. And uh, that's uh, that's all I got for sports. There's really not much else to uh to talk about. Well, good, because I have a lot of traffic. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, traffic a service of Rose Automotive. <laughs> traffic service of Rose Automotive. Pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway. On the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Get right to okay, it. Okay, well, expect to be slow basically anywhere you're headed right now. My goodness, is it slow out there. Left lane blocked with an accident. Northbound 75 at the Norwood Laterals. So that has you stacked up all the way into downtown. Eastbound 74 is slowing 
from North Bend into the 75 interchange. Also slowing on Ronald Reagan from Colerain on into the 75 interchange. If you're going southbound on 75, you are off and on slow and heavy from State Route 129 all the way down to the Norwood Lateral. Same kind of backup on southbound 71, and I'm seeing an accident blocking the left lane at 275, so that's not helping matters. Slowing from uh, behind Kings Island, so like Kings Mills all the way down to the Norwood Lateral. Uh, accident on the right shoulder, a westbound 275 around um, around Ward's Corner, and you got a backup behind that, actually a backup in both directions. And in northern Kentucky, northbound 7175, slowing from uh, Mount Zion all the way up to the river, northbound 471, slowing from 275 up to the river. I'm going to leave it there. Dayton, dude, Dayton, you look great. If you want to get anywhere, go to Dayton. <laughs> Good job. Good job, Dayton. All right. Now for weather. Here's Ryan Lopez. I can't believe you're here. I am. I, I made it through the rain. And that's through what's causing all that yeah. traffic out there here in Cincinnati. Here in Cincinnati, there are showers. There's a rain system all the way up to Cleveland right now. Well, those showers will continue throughout the day. High of 74. A few leftover showers tonight. Mostly cloudy with a low of 54. And tomorrow, partly cloudy skies. Below average temperatures. This is Annie Mitchell kind of weather. I know, man. With I a... got my jacket on. <laughs> I'm does. feeling She's great. loving it. And tomorrow we'll have a high of 74. For the Miami Valley, Dayton area, mostly cloudy with a few rain showers likely today. An isolated thunderstorm is possible. A high of 74 today. A leftover shower possible in the evening. Then becoming partly cloudy overnight with a low of 53. And tomorrow, partly sunny with a slight chance of a spotty shower north of Dayton with a high of 70. Annie? Nice. Matt? Oh, Matt. <laughs> Today <Ryan>. is... <laughs> Today is Tuesday, September the 12th. It is the feast of the most holy name of Mary. Matt, go ahead and take it away. Beverly? <laughs> the Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Joe Heschmeyer from Catholic Answers, and he's got a piece up at Catholic.com that answers a question that you may have had about Mormonism and what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints believes about God the Father. Joe, good morning. Good morning. All right. So I think that a lot of Catholics who are regular listeners to either this program or Catholic Answers or Catholic Radio in general would know that the LDS Church does not have the same kind of view of the Trinity that we do as Catholics or that really that any other Christians have, uh, but might be unclear on the details of that. Uh, part of that's because they don't believe that Jesus is God. But part of it's also because they believe God the Father has like a physical body. So what kind of being do they conceive God the Father to be? That's a good question. So I'd actually, I want to nuance a little bit. They they think Jesus is a God. And they'll use God in the singular to refer to God the Father, who they call Holy Father, to Jesus and to the Holy Ghost. But they don't think it's one God in the sense of a single divine being with three persons, the way Trinitarians do. They think it is three gods who are working in union so much so they can be referred to as one God. This is sometimes called social Trinitarianism, but it might be more accurate to call it tritheism. You know, it's a belief in three gods, but they don't even necessarily believe those are the only three gods, uh, just that those are the gods that we are uh, kind of in relation to. And of those three, we're only to offer worship uh, to one of them, Heavenly Father. But as you said, uh, there's the idea that 
the Heavenly Father is a, a personage of flesh, that he has a body, uh, just as Jesus does. And this raises all kinds of questions about, okay, why does he have a body then? We understand why Jesus has a body. He takes one on in the incarnation. The, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1. And that's not because he's got a body from all eternity or anything like that. Now, there's an answer to that, why does the Father have a body? But the answer isn't at the same level of teaching within Mormonism. So I want to be clear about this, that what I'm about to say isn't official church doctrine in the way that the uh, idea that the Father has a body is. So the Father has a body, that's official church teaching. Why the Father has a body, Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, uh, said it's because he was a man on another world. And so he has his own God, and he died and resurrected and got a resurrected body, and and so he now has a glorified body in heaven. And, and so Smith says, uh, as we are, he once was, as he is, we shall be. So we'll be gods like he is, he used to be a man like we are. But once you kind of accept that premise that God has a God, and then it's like, okay, well, does that God have a body? Like, how far back does this go? You get into all sorts of really fascinating questions of, of kind of an infinite regress. Yes, St. Irenaeus uh, uses the example of, like, let's say that there was, like, a pumpkin, but the pumpkin was made by the gourd, and the gourd was made by the squash. Going all the way back, well, who made the who made the the first thing. This is kind of a big question that, that Catholic theology actually does have. Uh, well, we understand it to be a mystery, but we have a kind of a formal teaching on. You know, when it comes to the people who knock on my door, Joe, I don't know if this is your experience as well. The Jehovah's Witnesses have blacklisted me. Um, the <laughs> uh, the Baptists, uh, I sort of confuse them. The LDS missionaries love me. I give them like cliff bars and like seltzer waters and we have great conversations and so i'm going to ask you a question that i've never had the guts to ask them because i don't want to ruin the dialogue but uh let's say that you've got god the father heavenly father as you call him and he's got a body he died and was resurrected and that's the body he's in now who who killed him uh who made he that body in the first place uh, and if that's the case, why are we wasting time on all these people that were created by something that it sounds like we ought to be worshiping instead? Yeah, so I actually <laughs> I did have the, I guess you can call it guts, to ask a, a very similar question to a, a Mormon lawyer that I know who's smart guy. I mean, sharp as a tack, but he, he was explaining. He was actually the person who first introduced me to this theology, and I was like, wait a second. But, I mean, it's not like these gods died. You can just say, oh, there's an eternal uh, progression. Uh, you know, they're all still around. So which one of them is the oldest? Like, which one's been God the longest? Because I'd rather just worship Which him. one is the that which nothing <laughs> yes. greater can which be imagined? Which the first cause? Yeah, yes. and, and he said he didn't know. And it's not something that's defined by their church. It's just not a question that they've answered or a question that they're really encouraged to ask. And so it's really kind of fascinating. But, no, I mean... No, if you get into that conversation with an LDS missionary, there's a a good chance it's either a question they've never thought of or a question they have maybe an idiosyncratic answer to. I wouldn't take any answer you get to that question to be, you know, the same answer you're going to get to the next missionary who knocks on your door. Uh, so I think that's just kind of a good thing to keep in mind. We don't want to accuse them of holding a particular doctrine that isn't official church teaching in any more than, I mean, we've been on the receiving end of that plenty of times. So we want to be really careful that like this, there are parts of this that are still really unclear 
uh, from the official kind of church perspective because they've just never really worked out the the apparent logical difficulties with their position. So the logical difficulty of the position is where I think that some people right now are like, well, why don't I just show them the logic of what Matt and Joe are talking about? And then we'll be fine. Then they'll understand. Yes. Unfortunately, uh, the Mormon faith, the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, doesn't operate along the same kind of lines as we do as Catholics. There's not like a Mormon Thomas Aquinas who has sort yeah, of through and, some and of in this fact, stuff. It's kind of discouraged. So there's a, a really strong emphasis put on the subjective and on the personal and on the experiential. So being able to share your personal witness, being able to share how you've felt the Holy Spirit moving in your life, and then really trusting that inner voice is God, uh, that's really strong. And if you are talking to someone who's really convicted that they have spoken to the Holy Ghost inside and that he has told them the Book of Mormon is true scripture, you coming along and saying, here's 20 logical reasons that doesn't stand up to scrutiny is not going to probably move the needle a whole lot. And so this is one area where I'd encourage Catholics to do two things. Number one, be ready with your own witness that the Holy Spirit has actually been involved in your life and and share honestly. You might have to be a little vulnerable. You might have to talk in a way that maybe you're not used to talking as a Catholic, but it's good for you to grow in this area. And number two, it's probably worth pointing out that there's a, a sort of subjectivity problem here. If you think the Holy Spirit is telling you to be Catholic, and they think the Holy Spirit is telling them to be part of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, either the Holy Spirit is contradicting himself, which doesn't seem like the Holy Spirit, or uh, one of you is wrong. And so here I'd point to the prophet Jeremiah, who tells us the heart is deceptive above all things. So if we're making these huge decisions based on internal feelings, apart from logic, apart from reason, apart from having a solid basis for our beliefs— we're in really dangerous territory. Yeah, what it, where we usually stalemate on these questions, and, and uh, very often they are about the nature of the Godhead. Uh, you know, who is God the Father? <laughs> who is Jesus, right? Because Scripture seems to be pretty clear that he is, well, Trinity is pretty deducible from Scripture. Uh, but it comes down to a verse in Moroni 10. And I don't know if you've ever done this before, Joe, but I make a point. Whenever I'm in conversation with LDS missionaries to invoke this verse or to say something that indicates that I am practicing this practice, because in Moroni 10, uh, this is right at the end of the Book of Mormon, uh, around verses 4 and 5, it says, when you hear these things, ask God the Father in the name of Christ if these things are not true. And if you ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it to, unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, you may know the truth of all things. So I always make a point in my prayers, because sometimes they'll ask me to pray at the end. I'm like, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would uh, honor the sincerity of our hearts and the intentions of wanting to know you and our faith in Christ to manifest the truth to us, <laughs> you know, so that they know that I'm praying that too. Yeah, because I, I think there's this idea that the only reason people aren't convicted Mormons is they haven't prayed on it or haven't prayed hard enough or haven't prayed with a sincere heart. And, you know, when people treat them dismissively and kind of scoffingly, I think all you manage to do is reinforce that belief. You make like, them think oh, well, you don't have a sincere heart, right? Yes, exactly. So so be extremely generous. Give out cliff bars and seltzer water yes. and then be prepared to lovingly uh, show that you've also 
prayed on this and you've come to a different answer. So we need to have some basis of figuring out which of our feelings is right. There you go. Well, I don't trust my feelings no matter what Obi-Wan Kenobi says. <laughs> Joe Heschmeyer, we've got Catholic.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com, including your article about what uh, the LDS Church teaches, uh, such as it is, about God the Father. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, 22 past, traffic and weather next. Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec, Merlot, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay. When you're looking for an extensive selection of fine, handcrafted wines from around the world, it's the BFM Wine Shop on Bridgetown Road. BFM Wine stocks over a 1,000 labels of high-quality wine from boutique wineries and small producers. There's also the Wine of the Month, their e-newsletter, and pairing suggestions with fine food. The BFM Wine Shop, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, on the web at bridgetownfindermeats.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills, on the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Central Fabricators, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, custom builds and repairs corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. These are used to manufacture liquids used in everyday products like health and beauty aids, pharmaceuticals, and food. Central Fabricators uses the latest in technology and modern equipment to deliver quality products, and big orders are not a problem. Central Fabricators, ASME certified, and on the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Hi, I'm Guy Cagney with the Cagney Family and Coble Banker Real Estate, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Our Catholic faith is the center of our family life and how we do our real estate business. Hope that you and your family will remain safe and healthy this year. 513-347-1888. 23 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. Thanks to the rain, you are running slow basically anywhere on the interstates in the Cincinnati area. And rather than going through all of those slow spots, I'm just going to tell you the accidents. Northbound 75 at Town Street, the left lane is blocked with an accident. Also got one on the right shoulder of westbound 275 near Ward's Corner. Got one on the left shoulder of southbound 275 at State Route 28 in northern Kentucky. A Disabled vehicle on the right shoulder at Buttermilk Pike on southbound 7175. And do I see anything else? No. That looks like, oh, Dayton. Dayton's got an accident now. We got an accident on Edwin C. Moses Boulevard at 75. So I'm not sure if that's on the interstate, but it does look like there is some slow traffic uh, leading up to Edwin C. Moses Boulevard on northbound 75. All right, now for weather. Here is Ryan Lopez. Thank you, Anna. Today here in Cincinnati, it is raining, and those rain the rain will continue out through the morning. We'll have a high of 74. Scattered showers will remain. Few leftover showers tonight. Mostly cloudy tonight with a low of 54. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, below average temperatures with a high of 74. The Miami Valley Dayton area, mostly cloudy with a few rain showers likely. An isolated thunderstorm is possible with a high of 74 today. Tonight, a leftover shower possible in the evening, then becoming partly cloudy overnight with a low of 53. And tomorrow in the Miami Valley Dayton area, partly sunny with a slight chance of a spotty shower in the north with a high of 70. Coming up after the break, we'll be talking to Patty Armstrong. We'll be back right after this. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. 
Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. For Catholics, being united with God for eternity is the goal of earthly life. A Catholic cemetery is sacred because it holds our bodies, once temples of the Holy Spirit, until the Lord comes again. The Archdiocese of Cincinnati has consecrated Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery to provide this ministry and remind us that life is not ended, but changed. Today, you can ensure that you and your loved ones are interred in accordance with your faith. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. Support is from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. With us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Patty Armstrong. She's author of What Would Monica Do and Holy Hacks. She also writes for the National Catholic Register. Patty, welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. You bet. It's good to have you. You know, when we think about fallen away children, we often talk about how painful that can be for a parent who is faithful to the church. I imagine that can get compounded for a faithful grandparent when a grandchild falls away. Absolutely. I mean, it's a whole nother level. And in a lot of situations, the grandchildren aren't getting baptized. Mm. So that, that first level is, oh my goodness, my children have left the church. And then if they go on and they have families, um, maybe they're not even married and they have children and it's like, oh my goodness, now things have really gotten even more serious. Yeah, so how can a grandparent be a spiritual force in the lives of their grandchildren? Well, we have to look for every way possible. This past Sunday was Grandparents' Day, and both the church and the, our country recognize grandparents. They have a God-given role in their families. Um, but it's getting more and more difficult depending on the situation. So when I wrote What Would Monica Do, co-opted it with um, Roxanne Solonen, we covered every aspect of that situation if you have kids that leave the church. And since I have um, 10 children and 17 grandchildren, and nice. everybody is all over the place on, you know, really good practicing Catholics and some that are not, I know exactly what that looks like. And so we do what we can when we can. Our kids know we are Catholic through and through. We're always going to say grace before meals, and they, they accept that. Nobody has any problems with that. And what we've experienced is that our kids have drifted, some of them, but we've experienced them drifting back. As a matter of fact, I'm in a car right now. We're headed to Colorado. I have a son getting married in the church. Nice. Um, but, but they have four kids. 
um, but now they're getting married in the church, and so you have to um, you have to really strive to have a loving relationship with both your children and your grandchildren, and look for those opportunities. It might be through birthday and Christmas gifts, um, maybe taking your grandkids with you to mass, um, and and especially praying and fasting and realizing that even if they're not listening to you, you can surrender both your children and your grandchildren to God. Well, isn't that what Jesus says? There are some things that some demons that can't be exercised except through prayer and fasting. I mean, I don't know that I like to think about fallen away children as having demons per se, but I think that the principle can apply there. The importance of of fasting and praying for people in our lives who are far from the faith. You know, it's, it's a challenge to fast, but it's so important and so powerful. And I've listed a number of priests and read articles on fasting and so i know how powerful it is so i'm always reminding myself of this too like okay um this is something we can do we're not powerless and jesus talked a lot i mean he he fasted in the desert for 40 days and he was able to resist the temptations of the of the demon but that's what he did before he went out and began his public ministry and it's something that we can do too for our children and our grandchildren and I know a lot of people say, well, I'm fasting from Facebook or I'm fasting from this. Well, those are sacrifices. And anytime we talk about fasting in the Bible, it always had to do with food. And as as I've looked into this and explored it and listened to speakers on it over the years, I've come to understand that we don't have to starve ourselves and hurt our health. But, you know, for instance, if you don't put mustard on your sandwich or mayonnaise or you skip the ketchup on the fries or don't have the fries at all, there, there are ways that we can continually practice fasting and i mean we love our children we love our grandchildren we want to meet them all in heaven one day and so as grandparents there really is a lot that we can do yeah and in you have an article that you wrote over at the national catholic register in which uh you did an interview with a man named dan spencer um from legacy of faith and he had some stats that really struck me about um, about households and how many are headed by single parents and and how much more a grandparent how much more importance a grandparent has in those situations can you talk about that a little bit yes absolutely so Dan Spencer he's the father of four and grandfather of 15 and he has founded legacy of faith it's a ministry which offers a lot of resources to help guide parents and uh, grandparents and he says that over 75 percent of households are two-income households and over 20 percent are headed by single parents so the role of grandparents can bring a lot of stability to these families um, and, and one of the ways that you can especially bring stability is through the faith. And how that looks like is you have to navigate depending on what your family situation is. I mean, if your kids are Catholic, then they celebrate the ways that you can help support raising their kids in the faith. If they aren't in the faith, there still are things that you can do, like I said. Um, and But you have to navigate that because they might be hostile to you praying and taking the kids to mass but a lot of times they're not and so you need to step in 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 the ways that you can and pray to god to help you find those openings and and it might just be in a conversation it might be in children's bible stories or saint books you know find the ways you don't want to ostracize your children 
so that they resent you and it makes it even harder to bring the faith. Um, but, but take advantage of whatever opportunities that, that is given to you. And a lot of times it can be like we just talked about when there's two income households or single parenting, they all the more can rely on your help. And so the, the first step is developing that loving relationship with everybody. Absolutely. Show them that you are in it for them. And, you know, I, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, stick with me here, Patty. <laughs> I'm thinking about the book. I'm thinking about the book of Judges and how far from the faith the people in the book of Judges had fallen. And it was because, the author tells us, they didn't tell the story of what the Lord had done for them. So these children didn't even know the personal stories of of their grandparents who were in the exodus, like had had been brought out of slavery in Egypt and nobody told the story. How important is storytelling telling your story of, of your love with the Lord it, to a grandchild. Absolutely. And, you know, grandchildren, I think there's just this natural attraction to the Blessed Mother. I've had some of my mm, grandchildren yes. hug on my Blessed Mother statue. It, I've taken pictures of it because I look over there and I'm just touched that they do that. There's like a natural spiritual attraction. And so telling those little stories or angels and, um, like I said, navigating it carefully, they, and you don't always have to sit down and give them a whole lesson on catechesis, right. but include those little bits of the stories. They're talking about what you did when you were a little boy or a little girl um, and how they will be attracted to that. So I'll, I'll just share with you right now as we're going to Colorado to get this beautiful Catholic wedding that's going to happen that we're so excited about where we had um, a, a son that drifted away from the faith, and we talked about the possibility of them getting married in the church a couple years ago. And I prayed to the Holy Spirit for the right words, and my future daughter-in-law said, well, I don't understand. What's the difference if we just have a scripture reading? Mm. And I said, because in the Catholic Church, it's a sacrament, and you get sacramental graces. It's more than just scripture readings. It's an entire sacrament that that is such a gift. And and that's all I said, um, because it seemed like that's all there was to say at the time. Um, but then we really have had a, a beautiful relationship. And the grandkids love it when we come to visit. And so when they called and said, we're going to go through RCI, or not, our, and we're going to go through the marriage prep, we're getting married in the church, and my daughter-in-law is thinking about becoming Catholic. Oh, I my just, gosh. I, you know, that was something, Yeah. <laughs> How I celebrated that. And I didn't have a big, long conversation with them. And then later, my husband, Mark, said something about, you know, wanting them to get married in the church. And and he said, Patty, what do you think about this? And I said, they know what I think about it. And that's all I said. You know, that mm-hmm. I, I knew, I prayed to the Holy Spirit, and I just tried to follow what You what tried to do what Monica would do, right? <laughs> Oh, yes. Thank you for bringing up Monica. What would Monica do? She was a grandmother. Yes. Yes, St. Augustine had an out-of-wedlock 
son. We can talk to St. Monica. We don't want to forget St. Anne and St. St. Joachim, too, um, because they were the grandparents of our Savior. So we don't know a lot about them, but their role in history, in the story of our Christianity, is they were the grandparents. And we can call on them, too, to pray for our grandchildren. Amen. We've been talking to Patty Armstrong. You can read her piece on this over at the National Catholic Register, and you can find her book, What Would Monica Do?, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Patty, so happy for you and your family. Be assured of our prayers. And thanks so much for telling us about it. Well, thank you, Annie. God bless your day. You too. Thank you. All right. It's uh, 38 minutes past the hour now, and we don't really have time for news, but we're going to get to news. Here's news. Catholic Relief Services reports that the enormity of loss and grief is widespread as people navigate the aftermath of the devastating earthquake in Morocco. More than 2,800 people have been killed and the death toll is still expected to rise. CRS says they're supporting Caritas Rabat, whose teams mobilized a response within 24 hours to the hardest to reach areas. Hurricane Lee could become a Category 4 storm later today. The slow-moving storm is currently out in the Atlantic, and it's bringing rip currents to Florida as well as the Caribbean. But forecasters say it is unlikely to hit the East Coast. The Biden administration is clearing the way for a prisoner exchange with Iran to free five Americans being held there. It has issued a waiver for foreign banks to transfer $6 billion in Iranian oil funds that have been held up by U.S. sanctions. And in exchange, the administration for these five Americans will also release five Iranian citizens detained in the U.S. The Holy See's delegation to the United Nations and other international organizations are appealing to those in the Ukrainian crisis to stop using cluster munitions. This appeal came as they met with United Nations with the United Nations on the convention on cluster munitions. The U.S., Russia, and Ukraine are among those that did not enter into a convention that vowed to not produce, stockpile, or use cluster bombs. 839 now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Good thing you don't have a whole lot to report. You know what? I really don't, and uh, I'll just get right to it. Reds play the Detroit Tigers tonight. Red's still hanging in there uh, trying to uh, find a spot in that uh, wild card they are uh, battling for. Detroit Tigers, not so much. Last night, Buffalo Bills fell in overtime to the New York Jets 22-16 to on Monday Night Football. The bad news, Aaron Rodgers might have torn his Achilles, which uh, that would be a season-ending injury. We shall see. That's check-in on sports. we got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. 
Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible, so to give a gift of any amount, please visit SacredHeartRadio.com and click Donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and with all the developments in generative AI, it's always great to talk to Father Philip LeRae, who is with Humanity 2.0 and tries to think about these things from a Catholic perspective as they rapidly develop. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Great to be on the show again. Yeah, great to have you. Uh, Now, there is going to be, or uh, I, I guess it's, I can't tell if it's happened or will happen at this point. That's my perspective on most artificial intelligence things. I can't tell if they're about to happen or if they've already happened. <laughs> but there's a summit uh, where the United States government's trying to figure out how to regulate some of this stuff and inviting leaders in the field to comment on it. I wonder if you could tell us about the summit. So it's going to take place <clears throat> on Wednesday <clears throat> and um, behind closed doors. It's being organized by Senator Schumer, who has vowed to... Uh, launch a series of forums about artificial intelligence, and he's invited the big the big tech companies. They're they're all all the big shots are going to be there. And it's really what's really going to be interesting is that he managed to get Elon Musk and Sam Altman together in one room. Uh, as you know, that they, they've had their differences along the way. They were both co-founders of OpenAI, and then Elon left in 2018. And uh, Sam took it over as CEO. Uh, and here, you know, what's interesting, Matt, is you have two groups of people. So on the one hand, you have tech people and uh, you have, you know, engineers, but also CEOs. The CEO of Microsoft will be there. The CEO of uh, Google will be there, et cetera, et cetera, who don't really understand how to make laws. And then you have the other group of senators who don't really understand what artificial intelligence is about. So I think, although in, in the, in the uh, press, the summit has been kind of looked upon negatively as if to say, oh, this is a big show, they're not gonna do anything. But I think what they're trying to do is dialogue so that they can come up with a program which suits both groups, and that is not easy. I would think not. Uh, you know, and you know, it's it's such an interesting thing to ponder, uh, especially if you've read uh, the church's documents on social communications and the World Communications Day messages and the the guiding principles that the church lays out for how we think about these things. Uh, right? Uh, they're person centered. Uh, they must have. Uh, human dignity at the center of the conversation. They must have all this other stuff. And, you know, those questions may swirl about in these discussions, but, you know, there's going to be a lot of like, how do we protect, uh, you know, financial assets and copyrights and all kinds of that stuff is going to be in this conversation. On the other side, it's going to be much more sort of a practical conversation. And it just, it's, as you lay this out, um, it's just a reminder how important it is for us as Catholics who kind of have this Christian understanding of the human person to be involved in these conversations when we can. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I do think they're going to touch on those kinds of issues also. Uh, there's a, a group uh, that is pushing civil rights issues in terms of AI, for example, the right of the consumer, uh, the right to transparency, the right to protect your data, the right to privacy, etc. And that is kind of what the what Pope Francis means when he says person centered technology. So I wouldn't be surprised if there is a, certainly it won't it won't be uh, explicitly Catholic, right? They're, they're not going to quote the papal encyclicals or Pope Francis's message for World Day of Peace in January. But I think the content is going to be very similar. Yes, it'll be very fascinating to see, although, you know, it would be great if somebody just uh, maybe in one of the post sessions had like, a, I don't know, like a coffee hour where somebody, you know, just did a public reading of Intermerifica from the Second Vatican Council on Social Communications. It would be kind of a nice sort of like happy hour, won't you think? I mean, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure somebody in Washington is uh, lurking in the in, in the wings. So uh, that many bishops, like Bishop Barron, for example, is an expert in this field. There are others that that we know also that, that speak out on on issues concerning AI. And this is going to be a a, a very special moment. Wednesday, all I think it's Wednesday and Thursday. So it's happening this week. Yeah, it would have been great to be a part of the dialogue, but I, I'm not a billionaire nor a senator, so I'm not going to be there. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, those are two graces that God has given you of being neither one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but with this, I mean, we are people who are not going to be in that room. I'm not going to be in that room. You're not going to be in that room. And unless there's something I don't know, most of our listeners are probably not going to be in that room. But we want no, it, we want to pray, us, yeah. right? So how should we be praying for meetings like this where we feel kind of helpless and like we don't get a chance to get in the mix of them? Pray for enlightenment. That's what I'm going to do. Pray that, well, first of all, the, the fact that this is even happening, I think, is a great grace. But second of all, the you know we want the Holy Spirit to guide what what they come up with because th this is the these meetings are going to shape the future legislation. So let's let's hope the Holy Spirit guides them in the right direction. Well, even Saint Paul in the New Testament tells us that's how we should be praying for all of our leaders from the beginning, right? That the Holy Spirit exactly. will will guide them and uh, help them to use their authority prudentially and morally. So thank you so much, Father Philip LeRae, and uh, we'll try and pay attention. And whenever anything comes out of this, if we're confused by it, we'll tap your wisdom again. Okay. God bless you, Matt. 12 till. We're back right after this. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join others for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? 
we have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, Cincinnati Right to Life ensures that God-given rights are guaranteed for all simply by being human, regardless of age or stage, ability or disability. More information at 1-800-712-HELP. It's time for our weekly Old Testament Bible study using a Catholic guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press. Get a copy of your own at Ascension Press dot com slash old testament and back with us for our study of the first book of kings today is dr andrew swafford one of the contributors to this guide good morning andrew good morning good to be with you Annie. it is great to have you back and like i said we're up to the first book of kings this week what is the general story in this book yeah well in many ways these opening chapters uh really represent the high point of the old testament narrative and we can go through that in a second but uh so we're going to see the the rise uh the, the, the kind of consolidation of what's called the united kingdom uh with david and solomon over all 12 tribes of israel and that really takes us through first kings 1 through 11 uh, by the time we get to chapter 10 we start to see the downfall of solomon and then this this glorious golden age which takes place between about a thousand bc and 931 bc will shatter and fall apart in first kings 12 and so the kingdom will divide and that really takes us through um the, the, I mean, that and then the rise of Elijah in chapter 17. And, and we're, the, really the narrative is going to be dominated by uh, very much by Elijah's prophetic ministry and the kind of petering out and downfall um, of these kingdoms, uh, which will continue in Second Kings. Um, we'll continue that narrative. Yeah, it's it, you kind of get whiplash um, if you think about it, like all that happens in this book, like good and bad, um, as you mentioned the high point of the kingdom under under Solomon and then how quickly things fall apart when he when he dies um so talk about in addition to to Solomon and Elijah who are who are the other people that we should know who stand out in this first book of kings well we're going to meet Omri, uh, we're going to meet Ahab, uh, and, and there's a number of chapters that first for Ahab for sure, who Ahab is married to Jezebel, and uh, this is going to be a part of the context in the northern kingdom between the confrontation between Elijah and Ahab and Elijah and the prophets of, of Baal uh, on Mount Carmel, and, and so... Um, yeah, those are going to be some of the, the, the key figures here in First Kings. And, and I, we mentioned, you know, Elijah. Elijah's going to go to Mount Horeb. Uh, the, Elijah really is kind of a new Moses figure. He's going to perform some miracles like, like Moses. He's going to be on Mount Sinai. He's going to hear the voice of God. Um, yeah, and then and then as we get to Second Kings, um, you know, that's where we really will see Israel, both kingdoms, Judah and Israel, involved in international politics and get caught up with Assyria and then Babylon. And um, but that'll be the next book, Second Kings. Yeah, we'll we'll hold that as a little tease for the next time we get together. But um, you mentioned, I think that the stories of Elijah are are fairly popular is that the word i'm looking for fairly well known i mean they're they they really you know spark the imagination and and are rather memorable 
Um, you know, when he goes up against the prophets of Baal, when he hears that tiny whispering sound as he's escaping from the evil queen Jezebel, um, you know, and all of these stories about Elijah. But there are a couple of things that I think we we don't know as well, and I'm not sure why, but rather important events. So I want to talk about two things here. First off, Tell us about the significance of the building of the temple in our understanding, the bigger story of salvation. Yeah, so I mentioned that this is really kind of the high point of the Old Testament narrative. What what I mean by that is Solomon, and again, Solomon prefigures Christ in so many ways. So he's son of David. He's temple builder. He's given this gift of the wisdom of God. Uh, and even his name in Hebrew is Shalomo, which you, you hear, your listeners might be already hear it already. It's, it's related to the root Shalom, which means peace. So you think Prince of Peace. Um, so Solomon's given the wisdom of God. And, and as you, when you look at like 1 Kings um, 5, King Hiram of Tyre helps to build the temple. And the church fathers saw in this, okay, a Gentile, a non-Israelite helping to build the temple. This is prefiguring the universality of the church. What you have with Solomon is all 12 tribes united under Solomon, but also the surrounding nations are starting to be part of this. When Solomon builds the temple, which is really kind of a a return to Eden, right? It takes seven years to build. It's dedicated in the seventh month during the seven-day Feast of Tabernacles. These are not that. And then he dedicates it with seven petitions uh, in 1 Kings 8. Is that number seven important, Andrew? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can hear it, right? Uh, the, the fifth petition, 1 Kings 8, verse 41 to 43, Solomon prays, Lord, when a foreigner comes to this house, this temple, and prays, Lord, hear their prayer. So the temple initially embodies this universality, this inclusion of the nations. And so why is this the high point of the Old Testament narrative? Because you have Israel and the nations gathered at the temple to worship the God of Israel, the true and living God who is dwelling in their midst. And that, that's, this is, and there's a real sense of which going back to the exodus the goal is not simply political liberation the goal is removal from bondage to egypt to worship the lord liturgically in this liturgical communion in the temple so the temple really this is like the high point but then as we mentioned it shatters and solomon ironically is sort of a type also of the antichrist because mm. he's going to marry his 700 wives his 300 concubines he's going to build temples and shrines for all their gods and to fund that he's going to have to tax the people heavily and he brings in 666 talents of gold each year well that's first in 10 14 yeah that's our 666 reference right Right there, so he kind of represents the, both the, the, the prefigures Christ, but also the Antichrist, and then it kind of uh, it, it spirals out from there. But so this this brief period uh, with David and Solomon it really prefigures what our Lord will do in the new covenant and the kingdom of God that He's establishing, which builds upon the prototype of the kingdom of David, but restores it in a heavenly key. And you know, one other little, I mean, that we could talk at length about this, but I mean, Solomon has twelve officers in First mm-hmm. Kings four seven. Like that's not an accident. Things like the queen mother, the queen in the Davidic kingdom was the mother of the king, the Gevi Rab. This was an office who had the role of bringing the petitions and needs of the people to the king. This prefigures our blessed mother's role in the new covenant. Uh, so this golden age really foreshadows the new covenant, but then it just it, it spirals out uh, really in a, in a kind of tragic and ominous way. And, um, and we could pick that up there if you'd like. But um, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we've run out of time. We'll have to leave it there. <laughs> but, um, but the division of the kingdom, which was the other thing that I wanted to talk about, yeah. figures heavily in the second book of Kings. So we'll be able to uh, discuss that more at length the next time we get together. In the meantime, you can find a Catholic guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press linked at Sunrise Morning Show. 
www.thepetshow.com. We've been talking to Dr. Andrew Swafford. Andrew, really appreciate it. So good to be with you. Thank you so much. All right, that will do it for this Tuesday edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. Look forward to tomorrow's show already because we will be celebrating the Feast of St. John Chrysostom, Bishop and Doctor of the Church, and he has some gems in terms of quotes. So talk to you tomorrow. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Honda East. With their exclusive Life Care Plus protection, if something goes wrong with your new Honda, you're covered. Help me, Honda East. Get the car that I want. Online at HondaEastCincy.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Stegman Landscape. Serving the tri-state since 1979, Stegman Landscape can create a picture-perfect landscape all year long. From design, installation, and maintenance to retaining walls, patios, and outdoor fireplaces to enjoy any season, Stegman Landscape can do it all. Stegman Landscape, making the world more beautiful one yard at a time. 859-781-1562 and online at stegmanlandscape.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company. Proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. With 30 years of trusted, quality service and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MADE or at mollymade.com. Molly Made, a clean you can trust. This is Bishop Roger Foys of Covington. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at 6.